Hello and welcome to Deep Thoughts Shallow Plots. My name is Erica and I really like watching horror movies. My name is Katie and I really like overanalyzing things. So Katie, what are we overanalyzing today? Today we are overanalyzing 2019's Ready or Not, which was directed, co-directed, by Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillett. Can I just open by saying how much I love this movie? It's a really good one. I, I love this movie. And it's so nice that it is a more recent horror film. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's just nice to see that like we're still making good horror movies. Yeah. You know? And what I like about this one is that it's kind of light and funny enough. That even people who aren't super into horror can still kind of like get into it. Right. Yeah. It has some kind of bloody parts. I mean, really bloody parts, technically. This is true. But it's not like super gross. And it's not like super suspenseful scary. It's like, it no. like, it walks the line between horror and fun comedy. And comedy, yeah. Which is. Really well. Yeah. Something that, you know, ready or not, especially in a lot of other films uh, that have come out more recently, like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. And Megan or Mathrigan, depending <laughs> on how you want to call it. <laughs> Are, are kind of categorized as horror comedies. And that's something that I've always found really interesting because it's, you know, basically the idea, it's pretty straightforward. A horror comedy is basically, it's a, it's a movie that has horror elements and comedy mm-hmm. elements. But like, there are a lot of horror movies that have comedy elements, right? Like, uh, you know, those horror movies that make a lot of like dark jokes, sort of like gallows humor sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, I was thinking, and honestly, I don't really think that I've come to a satisfactory conclusion for myself about what makes it a horror what comedy makes a horror, versus a horror just a comedy. horror that has some comedy in right it. and yeah exactly and and also like does it do we need to qualify mm. a horror movie as being a horror comedy right yeah. especially when a horror movie is really good you know yeah. it's like um uh, our girl sarah marshall yes yeah um who's has some really great podcasts we listen to yeah uh as has mentioned several times, and I couldn't agree with her more, that, you know, when a horror movie is just is just a good film, it, like, we try, or the powers that be, like, try <laughs> to not categorize it as a horror film. Mm. So, for instance, like, the, I think the really big example for me is Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Horror film, right? Yeah. But because it was so critically acclaimed, it had, like, such fantastic acting, yeah. it was a great script, really great movie it kind of like gets separated out from the right. horror genre just because it's good. They're going to be like, it's, you know, a suspense crime thing. Thriller, thriller. Yeah. And I was like, it's a horror movie it's, and yeah. that's okay. Like, you know, I mean, there's like really good, smart comedies and, you know, mm-hmm. stupid, not smart comedies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they don't, they, all of those films can still be like put under the yeah. umbrella of comedy. So like, I don't, I, I just, I think I've been thinking about it and I don't, yeah. I don't really like differentiating between different kinds of horror as like mm. horror comedy, horror, you know, it's just like, can we just call it a horror Where movie? are the horror romances? Where are the, well, uh, Warm Bodies, I believe, would be oh. considered a horror romance, which I've actually never seen because I... Yeah, and it's not very horror. I don't know. I guess it's more like... Have you like, seen it? Yeah. Oh, I've never seen I it. I just okay. feel like it's more, I mean, supernatural romance, I guess, which sure. is a big genre supernatural romance is a big genre but that's when you get into like sexy vampires and stuff right but then with warm bodies isn't it uh a zombie. zombies right so zombies are kind of a horror trope yeah. right and so like just because there's zombies does it make it a horror movie or well, i like, mean yeah something else with it i'm also thinking of like um the shape of water oh yeah that's technically a monster movie it is yeah but it's a romance movie too. yeah hmm. and it's not Genres. particularly 
It's not like scary. Frightening. No. It's maybe thrilling or suspenseful it's, in part, but mostly because you're worried about the monster. So, I mean, all of this opening is is just to say that, like, you know, can't we just let horror movies be horror movies? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we need to de- delineate, yeah. you know, between, like, what kind of horror movie it is? And it's just like, can we just let horror movies be horror movies? Because, like, you know, Scream has a lot of really great jokes, you know? Yeah. But people don't tend to call that a horror comedy. They call it a meta horror. Or they something. call it a meta horror. Uh, they call it a neo slasher. Yeah. Right. I feel like most of the movies we've discussed so far have had pretty big comedy elements, except for like The Witch, maybe. Right. The Witch is pretty like, serious. Ca- Cabin Fever tries to be funny. Yes. I'm not saying it succeeds always. But Cabin in the Woods is supposed to be funny. Yeah. Which is another kind of like meta yeah. horror. Scream is has yeah. some good jokes in it. Evil Dead has some yeah, Evil good Dead jokes is definitely in it. Yeah. Walking that line. Yeah. Um. So. And I do want to talk about the things in, in Ready or Not that I did find really funny. There is a lot. There's some good stuff in here. I mean, what's her name? Samara Weaving is our main actress. She's our main actress. She plays She's the character Grace. A very good comedic actor. She's a very good comedic actor and a very good horror actor. Her screams are Yeah, people talk about notch. her screams, about how they're like guttural. They're good. And like, yeah. There's like, it's almost like a yodel kind yeah. of aspect to it. And she gets so many good screams in this film. She does. And it's just like, even like, it's true, you know, in doing my research after watching the film, a lot of people were like, wow, her screams are so good, you know? Yeah. And I noticed that too, as I was watching it and taking notes, every time she screamed, I would just like jot down like great scream. Good job, girl. Keep <laughs> just, it up. Keep it up. Woo. Keep it up. Um, so Samara Weaving's our main actress. And then we've also also got one other actor uh mark o'brien who plays alex who's mm-hmm. the our kind of like main male character i would say yeah um adam brody obviously yeah, who doesn't know adam brody honestly it's so weird i never watched the show but like to me he's the guy from the oc yeah is it even though i never, I never watched, watched it either OC. but i saw his face on a lot of magazines and yes. i was like if i did watch the oc that'd be my guy uh and, and then, then he was great in the gilmore girls oh okay until never he, watched that but uh, I he was you. a singer and played guitar oh great okay yeah very attractive uh oh and of course uh alex's mom is played by andy mcdowell who's yeah i mean just a really amazing actress so we've got some we've got a really really good cast and like really great characters which you know we were talking off mic about like what a a beautiful breath of fresh air these amazingly developed characters are in comparison <laughs> to the characters in the evil dead yeah let's just start with uh the patriarchs of the f- of the movie which are tony and becky right mm-hmm. so tony is a uh how do we say their last name la, la domas la domas do we say the because like to me it's so french like it's supposed to be la doma you know yeah but at this point they're so americanized it's and i think la domas, domas. yeah and then his wife Becky, short yes. for Rebecca, I married imagine. into the Ledomas family. Ledomas family. <laughs> uh, so they're kind of our our main people in charge, right? This is obviously like a multi generational mm-hmm. empire. I think the Alex mentions he they prefer the term dominion. Yes, right. Yeah. Again, as a joke, funny, funny comedy. Yeah, but is it a joke? <laughs> but is it a joke? Right. So they're kind of. It, I. It seems to us in this film like the ones at the head of this yeah. empire. Yeah. yeah, and Becky is interesting for being a character who married in yes but is very bought into everything that the family is doing yeah and something that i i noticed about the characters who marry in mm-hmm. to the ladomas family is like what is their wealth level before marrying in so we know charity she came Adam from Brody's some sort of wife, bad background something bad right um probably didn't come from a lot of wealth yeah right um we know grace doesn't come from a lot of wealth yeah um but we don't really know about 
Becky? Like to to me, does she? Is there anything in the film that's like tells us her wealth level before um, marrying into the Ladomas family? There are two things I can think of, sort of. Okay. One is that she makes a connection between herself and Grace and sort of sees Grace as like the future her, mm. which says to me that maybe she comes from a similar background as Grace. Okay. And the other one, which isn't necessarily a point to class, is just that she has a Southern accent that gets stronger throughout the movie oh, she as does? she is trying to, as she gets more frazzled. And oh, yeah. Oh, I never noticed yeah. that. Yeah. So did, I think it's something uh-huh. that she suppresses because I think that's a part right. of her background well, that she's trying to kind of hide, which says to me that she's not as proud of her background compared to her new wealthy. Right. But also, like, just because she might be from the South doesn't mean right. she doesn't have crazy money. Right. No, a lot of people. No, yeah. but it's more the fact that she seems to try to, like, suppress her accent a little right. bit more. Yeah. Though yeah. also maybe it just naturally has gone away, but still comes back when and she's comes stressed. comes back when you're so, frazzled. So, yeah, that's yeah. not as substantial of a point. I, yeah. I, I think it's more her relationship to Grace. Right. I think oh, to me, like. But doesn't her. Yeah. She has that gold cigarette case. Yeah. Does she say that she got that from her mother? Ooh, I don't remember. But she does. She does have that fancy yeah. cigarette case, which Grace gets at the end of the film. Yeah, she does. Right? Because uh, she's the new Becky. Because she's the new Becky. Yeah, who will hopefully do better than Becky did, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I noticed that and that Um. at least my the vibe I got is that, like, Becky might not be from as much wealth yeah. as the Ladomas family. That doesn't mean she's not from money. That's honestly kind of the vibe I got for yeah. Fitch as well, because he seems like yes. somebody who probably is a bit of a, like, nepo business guy fitch gives me born into money vibes for sure yeah like maybe not you know billionaire money but money yeah maybe not even millionaire money but like money and honestly even though charity talks about having a bad background and not wanting to go back to it and wanting money she she says she would rather die yeah Yeah. i'm still not sure if she was like necessarily as poor and alone as grace was just because people make a big deal of being like grace does not belong and grace really sticks out yeah so I don't know if Charity still had maybe some money, but her situation was bad for a different reason. They don't really get into it too much. Right. And also, like, I'm sure whatever the character of Charity, like, whatever her experience was, was bad. Yeah. But, like, maybe, I mean, Charity also comes off as, like, pretty selfish and greedy. Yeah. Which is funny because her name's Charity. Oh, I got, yeah, I got notes on we'll that. We'll talk about the names for sure. Yeah. I got lots of um, notes on that. And it's just like, was your life that bad or did you just not have everything you could have ever yeah. wanted? And yeah. therefore your gr- the greed took over mm-hmm. and was just like, I will I will do anything, yeah. you know, to have the life I think I deserve. Right. Right. And that is the interesting thing about all of the three characters who we know married into the family yes. already, not counting Grace, who is marrying it now, yeah. that they all do seem so dependent on this wealth that they're married into that like they're jumping onto this deal that they'd never had to make. <laughs> Right. So, like, they even talk about how Charity, like, I think her husband Daniel has a line about how, like, you didn't even blink when I said yes. that we had to deal with the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and she was like, okay, yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where yep. do I sign my name? Yep. <laughs> so, should we talk about, if we're talking about Tony and Becky. Uh, yeah. I um, do want to talk more about them. Let's talk. I just want to talk about, like, also their super weird uniformed maids. Oh, my God. Um, I, okay. So I have their names. I was scared that they weren't going to get names, but they yeah. do all three of them yeah, get names. Clara. Dora. Dora. Uh, Tina. Oh, Tina. Tina. And then their Clara, butler, Dora, Stevens. We've got these three maids. They're all, like, dressed the same, super yeah. weird. And it's made very clear throughout the film that, like, Tony is weird to the maids. Yeah. No, yeah. okay. There's the line where they all, like, multiple characters talk about how Clara was their favorite after she dies. They're yes. like, oh, she was my favorite. Yeah. Which is, like, weird. Also, like, what does it take for her to be your favorite? Yeah, I'm right? like, mm. yeah. And then the one who 
the last one who lives, I don't know if that's Dora or Tina or who. I think that's Dora. Um, yeah. In the, the dumbwaiter. Yes. Who has her line about, I'm not even a maid. Mr. Ladomus just likes the way I dance. dance. Yes. <gasps> what? <laughs> and then, yeah, like, Tony mentions that sometimes. He's like, ah, she was my favorite. Yeah. Right, you know? And it's just like, what are you doing with these maids? I right? know. It's so uncomfy. It's just so, it's so well done how, like, it's it's both text and subtext. Like, the class structure happening yeah, in this how film, much they right? there's another great line that he has where mm-hmm. he's actually talking to grace where he says where he's getting mad at her because she's you know actually winning yeah <laughs> and he says who the fuck do you think you are yeah. our family's weathered worse than you you're just another sacrifice you're another goat yeah which is just so yeah that's how he and, sees the world and it's worth saying that this family does keep goats that they sacrifice that they sacrifice <laughs> yes yeah so all the people who aren't their family are just like or are not at their level of wealth yeah yeah are they're just objects yeah or, or animals they're just goats they're sacrifices yeah. they're just dis- they're expendable yeah when one of the maid dies who was it one of them talks about like uh let's just try to find the other the one remaining maid see yeah. if she can clean this mess yes, up yes yes <laughs> it's just and like it- oh my god <laughs> A very good point. And also, honestly, there's also the butler, Stevens, who I'm going to talk about later. It's just so interesting, his, like, loyalty to this family. Yeah. He seems like he like he, he knows mm-hmm. what's going on and yeah. seems okay with it. Yeah. And he actually, he gets hurt by Grace. He gets burnt. He gets, he gets oh, yeah. burnt in the face, right? And instead of tending to his burn, which can be a very serious injury, he starts to mop up some of the mess that has been yeah. caused by the family and by Grace until he stops because he realized grace has escaped and is going to go get her with the car yeah so like he is foregoing his own needs the entire film yeah. to serve the ladomas family yeah and he seems potentially old enough in the way that these sort of families work with their servants to have been a servant in this household when the last time this happened right or so it's very he, possible he this isn't even his first rodeo yeah or like he knows the family like he's like tony and becky are like the ones in charge now but like he remembers their parents yeah and maybe even their parents yeah. before them yeah. Yeah. yeah like he very possibly grew up in this house maybe alongside some of these and it's kids. well it, it's maybe it's like kind of that cult thing of like he genuinely does not know anything else yeah like they're there is no other reality to him except the reality. And there he's is in. that thing that really rich people do where they treat their servants like they're part of the family right. to an extent yeah. where they'll be like, come along, have this dinner with us, yeah, do yeah, this yeah. thing with us until suddenly they need something yeah. to happen yeah. right now, <laughs> you know, and really they're being treated more like, you know, pets or like something. Pet. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Because at least one of the maids, too, is if not in on it, at least knows that they are looking for her and wants to help because the reason that she gets shot because she comes in saying, oh, I just saw her, I just saw Grace over there or whatever. Right. And then Emily accidentally shoots her. Oh, Emily. And then the other maid who dies in the dumbwaiter yeah. is because she starts, when she finds out that they're just looking for Grace and not coming after all yeah. the maids, yeah. she's like, oh, okay, she's over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she's, which I understand she's trying to save herself. Yeah. So I understand that buy-in a little bit. So can we, should we just talk about how the maids die? Because I love it so much. Okay, sure, yeah. So uh, this is, ab- to me, absolutely part of the comedy yeah. part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, because Emily, who's the, she's the youngest, right? I think so, yeah. She's the youngest of the she three kids. wasn't really present for the last time that this sacrifice thing Right, happened. exactly, yeah. Or maybe she was like an infant and she was yeah. sleeping or something, right? Yeah. Um, talk about ineptitude. Like she 
can't do anything. And it's not helpful that she is high the entire, the entire time. time. She's like, we. the first time we meet her, she's got cocaine on her nose yeah, still. Yeah, she's like sniffling. We see her do cocaine. Yeah. Uh, Fitch, her husband, makes a joke, or not a joke, but like says something like, let's see if we can get you an edible, level you out yeah. a little bit. You know? And I was like, oh my God, she's so high. You yeah. know? And they've given her this weapon of like a crossbow, right? What do they give her? Oh, they originally give her, yeah, a crossbow. And, and then, then they switch her out for a, a like a pepper box or something. What's that? It's like a little pistol. It's I think the pistol oh. that was originally in the Clue board game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's I never knew box. that's what it was called. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, I know things. Learning new stuff every day. <laughs> Love this for us. Um, I could be wrong about all that, but I think it was like a pepper box no, or something. I, I believe you. Um, yeah. So she kills the first maid. She actually kills two of the three yes. maids. And I just think I have few very few notes for this film but one note i have is like have emily kill all three mates right because uh, that third maid dora or tina whichever one dies by accident by dies by accident and it's honestly like kind of a weird accident which it's Doesn't, hard for me to believe that's the injury I she know. would sustain like i have i have more thoughts about that right, okay. but talking more from grace's perspective so but we'll talk about that i we'll also co- we'll circle back i also don't have a dumb waiter so, so I, don't I don't know, know. Yeah. I did see that the when we get that shot of the gears turning and stuff. Yes. That's actually a video of Big Ben. Oh, wow. That's what they used. Oh, that's really interesting. Just as a little. I just read that. That's um, very cool. Trivia um, or whatever. Movie movie trivia, yeah. Do-do-do-do. Uh, <laughs> so it would, I would love it if Emily killed all three of yeah. the maids. Technically. Yes. Technically. Uh-huh. She didn't kill the second one either because she wounded her. And that maid started to die very slowly and very loudly. And Aunt Helene gets annoyed Aunt by Helene it. Aunt Helene gets annoyed. Yes. And gets out her axe and finishes axe. Yes. the job. Yes. So. Which, which I actually wrote down as one of the examples of comedy. Yeah. Right. Because she's like, she's injured and she's like making a bunch of noise. And, and Aunt, Aunt Helene's trying to make a point. She's making her big, epic, yeah. occult speech. Yeah. And... Uh, the maid is is just ruining girl, girl. it. Is ruining it, and so she yeah takes her head off right. Um, but like the the first one, Clara with like the the uh, crossbow. the crossbow like right through the mouth. It's just like oh that's fantastic, yeah. right? You know, and and it's so interesting that like again the ineptitude and like how her family deals with it, like. They, like, comfort her, even though she's just murdered someone. Like, honey, it's okay, you know, give me the crossbow, you know. Yeah. And, like, kind of, like, her, you know, the the main point is to, like, make sure she doesn't feel bad about her ineptitude. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's just, like, hers is the most obvious ineptitude. Right, yeah. And her, uh, the most obvious substance use. Yes. But then we also have semi-functioning alcoholic Daniel. Daniel's who's got clearly yeah. working through a lot of PTSD. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah. then we also have just like the incompetence of everybody. Cause like they end up having to rely on their butler and on their mates to yes. help them find like they don't do a lot of the searching themselves. They get the butler to do it. Yeah. They have to rely on like the familiarity with the house yeah. and like locking everything down. Yeah. The fact that they have more numbers. They have yeah. to end up going to their technology that Anne Helene's like, we shouldn't use because it's not okay. Right. Which, which is another really interesting theme for me in this film of like tradition versus modernity. Yeah. Right. It's and like, whether that's well, this not. long tradition of hunting people down with these antique weapons, a pepper box, whatever. <laughs> um, There's like a harpoon gun or something. Too. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, a crossbow, a yeah. bow and arrow, old antique guns, right? Yeah. Like the tradition of like, this is the way that we've always done it versus like, but we also have like a sprawling mansion with 
a security camera yeah. system and like can we use that to our advantage yeah. right and they finally decide they can and because they do. they're yeah. fucking inept all of them yeah they can't they like can't do it yeah. They, they just fail. And it's like, it's really obvious with Emily, but yeah. it's true for all of There's them. There's more of them there, yeah. Which and just seems very like something, something, rich people being bad at things because they just sort of were aged into it. Right. Sort of never the, actually had to earn the play. I like the phrase born on third base. Yeah. Right. And yeah. It's very that vibe. When they think they hit a triple and it's just like, no, you were just yeah. there already. Yeah. Um, and also Fitch is yeah. a pretty like inept guy. Um, he's you funny. Know- I and like he Fitch. does pull up a video to learn how he to does. So I actually did write that down when I was like looking at those examples of just like absolute ineptitude, yeah. right? I was just like that scene where Fitch goes into the bathroom and pulls up a YouTube video on getting to know your crossbow. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty inept. But I was like, or is that very smart? Yeah. Because like he's using his resources, yeah. right? He's just like, I've got trying. this crossbow. I don't know how to use it. Yeah. But what I do have is a phone. With access to yeah, the internet. Because in comparison, we have this one moment where I'm pretty sure Charity uh-huh. has lined up a shot with that, like, not, I don't think it's a harpoon gun, but it's something like, it's some it's sort of. It's like some, a big old gun. It's just a big old gun. Yeah. That, like, has a certain thing to it where she, it seems like when you see her in the scopes, it seems like she has a perfect shot uh-huh, on Grace. Yeah. yeah. But it totally goes wide yeah. because she doesn't know how to use that weapon. Right. Because that weapon is. Super old. Is old and, yeah. And maybe if they were. Maybe they should have yeah. upgraded their, their and weaponry. Becky, if that's Becky what they later wanted. misses somebody too with her bow and arrow because she's like, "Oh, I haven't used this since the last sacrifice." Right. Yeah. Which she's like, so she knew how to use it once, but she's out of practice. There right. is the theory that she is the one who um, shot Charles in Charles. the first scene because yeah, because we don't arrow. see that. Yeah, but yeah. we see he gets hit by arrows, and then she has the bow and arrow later. She does have so the it might have been her, which means she's been bought into this for a while. Right. For sure. Um. It, yeah, we've just got this really interesting, like, play uh, on, like, class, right? Yeah. It's just, like, it's it's entrenched everywhere in this film, right? Yeah. And a lot of, like, us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, several times people make comments either to or about Grace. Like, she doesn't belong here. She's not one of us, yeah. right? And, and um, Daniel Daniel says... Because she, she has, has a soul. soul. <laughs> yeah. uh, interesting well, choice of words. Because yeah. there's, okay, so there's a quote from the co-director, uh-huh. Matt Bettinelli Open. Okay. That's his name. Yep. He says, one of the big questions we are hoping the movie is asking is if extreme wealth is in and of itself a deal with the devil. Oh. Is there something intrinsically wrong with it? Intrinsically corrupting. Yeah. For us, the fun wealth, of yeah. the movie was balancing all of the big set PC things with getting to comment on wealth inequality in the country and privilege and abuse. Wealth in the country and privilege and abuse of power. Yeah, totally. So, like, yeah, that was something that they were very consciously, obviously, when you watch it. It's a very conscious choice. Yeah, it works out really well, too. Yeah. It's one of a few movies that have come out recently about, you know, eat the rich. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) It's a very big theme right Um, now. Don't know why. I couldn't imagine why. (laughs) Uh, So we've got this eat the rich theme for sure. Yeah. But then we also, like, you know, class is a huge aspect of this. But, like, I think we we obviously need to talk about how, like, gender is a really big aspect of this film as well. Especially when it comes to, like, marriage. And, yeah. and family, right? Yeah, speak more. Say so, more on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, well, first of all, I just love that we we don't see any of the wedding. Yeah. Right? We see the pictures that, that we see before the wedding. We see after. We see, like, the, the aftermath of a wedding, yeah. right? But, like, we don't see the actual wedding, which I think is a really interesting choice because it's, like, 
we've all seen a wedding. Yeah. You know? And also, honestly, this seems like such a, like, straightforward, traditional kind yeah. of wedding that it's, it would be very boring. Yeah, we can fill in. We can fill in the gap. They probably didn't even write their own vows. No, they probably just used the yeah. whatever ones, yeah. Um, Actually, but, no, wait, I forgot. Isn't she, No, I was going to say she's practicing her vows at the beginning. Isn't that what we get of her? But I'm not oh, sure if those yeah. are actually her vows, because then she starts to make jokes about she um, may, yeah. your brother who always hits on me, and like... And your family is richer than God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that's actually in her vows. But it's... <laughs> But it's interesting because, like, having been involved in several weddings, like, usually the bride is not with her husband yeah. right before they get married. She's, like, Bad with, luck. Her, with her bridal party, like, getting ready and, like, whatever, you know. But, of course, she doesn't have a bridal party. No, she doesn't. She's got no one. She's got, like, we, we understand she that doesn't... she grows up in the foster system. Yeah. But, like, uh, no. But, she like, doesn't even have her sister-in-law because Emily shows up late and does, apparently yeah. has not met her before. Because right. when Emily shows up, she's like, we're going to be best friends. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. they've just met. And then, I mean, she could technically have Charity in her party. No. But based on Charity's outfit, I don't think she did. No. Yeah. And, like, she but, like, so she doesn't have any family. But, like, where's her friends? she doesn't also have friends. Yeah, where like, are her fucking friends? She just seems like a really lonely person. Yeah. Like, sets her up as, like, oh, like, a very nice, loving person who just doesn't really have a lot people in her life yeah, like, I mean, wants that family and structure yeah. like that because she even talks about how um her foster parents like some yeah. that she had that like they were good they were yeah. nice people they were just busy. they did their best yeah they were just busy and stuff yeah that like she doesn't have any connections i mean maybe some people were at the wedding who were it's also possible that it was a um destination wedding and that any friends that they had from wherever they're from could not afford to come right right because they do insist on having it on the la domas estate yeah Yeah, which yeah we don't know where that is right yeah um yeah maybe um that's just really interesting and you know she talks several times about wanting to have a family Mm -hmm. and uh you know and then the people in the movie saying like she doesn't belong here she's not one of us you know uh either for better or for worse because like like uh Adam Brody says Daniel. I just want to call him Adam Brody because he's Adam Brody. Because he's Adam Brody. But yeah, she, it's like not about the money. It's about how she's a, has a soul and is like a good person. It's also really interesting that like because you know we think about you know the marriage and the union of two people like creating their own family unit amongst mm-hmm. themselves, but also joining each other's family yeah. units. But Grace doesn't have a family unit, right? So her trying to join Alex's family unit, the family is not going to accept her as a member of the family mm-hmm. until after. They play the game like that is they even say it more important than the wedding yeah than the ceremony like we have to play a game right yeah. and so it's really interesting that you know they play the game and it's you know it's it's hide and seek and it's a you know killer be killed situation yeah, it's a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> and so like she never gets to be a member of the la domas family because they lose the game yeah yeah right and so even if like she lost the game then she would die and mm-hmm. not be a member of the ladomas family either so yeah. like there's really just no winning for her like no. she wants a family and she's never yeah. gonna get it right so you're absolutely right <laughs> about anti what did you say what anti-marriage, propaganda. anti-marriage propaganda a thousand percent so which i support in a movie I, I do too um and so i was i had some thoughts about that right and i i see it i see that story really being told through the like degradation of grace's wedding dress yeah over the course it's of the such film. a good like visual first of all it's a gorgeous dress and you got some nice lace right mm-hmm. you know um and it's really interesting because she the first time she rips it when she's hiding before she understands what the stakes yeah. are. She's like, okay, whatever, I'll hide in the dumb yeah, waiter. And she, and she like rips her dress and she's and like, she's ah, like, oh. shit. You know. 
Um, oh, Grace. Oh, Grace. And then uh, once shit starts to get real, mm-hmm. right? And they're, um, and Alex, and Alex is the one who tells her what's going on. Yeah. He does wait until the absolute oh, last minute. Alex, you piece of shit. Yeah. We're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to shit talk Alex what, in a little bit here. What a piece of trash Alex is. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Cause he brings her, her converse though. Yes. Which is a one, that shoes. is a sweet thing that he does. Yes. I, I will give him that. Yes. But, and then like, it is once she understands the full stakes that she like rips the whole skirt off yeah. of yeah. her dress. Right. Yeah. And that made me think is like, would women still get married if they knew the stakes, mm. right? Like if their survival did not depend on it, right? Because mm. the idea of marriage over centuries is overwhelmingly been a business deal. Yeah. Right? And like the, the way that women kind of needed to get married because they literally could not support themselves. Without yeah. They had no man. other options. They had no other options. Especially if they had no family. Yes. So, like, they got to get married, right? They got to become a wife and, and then probably a mother, mm-hmm. right? Uh, regardless yeah. of what they want for themselves, it's just a matter of their survival, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't have access to the same resources that a man does. They need to connect mm-hmm. themselves with a man to be able to do that, right? Yeah. And also, you know, a third of the women in this country who are murdered are murdered by their male intimate partners. Yeah. Right? So, it's like... Uh, again would you get married if you really knew the stakes mm-hmm. right and if if you didn't have to right yeah you? and then and then uh once she's in that like weird cellar pit with the goats yeah the goat and she gets pit. the thing through her hand <laughs> yeah again accompanied by an amazing scream mm-hmm. she like rips off the sleeve and dresses her wound with it right yeah uh, so it's, yeah, it's just really interesting that she is in her dress the entire time. Yeah. It starts to devolve. She's it's ripping, mm-hmm. and you know her either hair starts to become a mess too. She has all of those pretty over the top braids. Yes, that are starting to that yeah. the fancy brides always get in their hair. Yeah, and then uh, and then the shoes. Of course, I actually don't know what kind of shoes she starts with. I imagine their heels. Their heels. Yeah, and then she yeah, and that that's one way that I Alex... mostly just remember the sound of them clicking down the hallway because her dress is oh, yeah. longer at that point, so we don't really get a good view of them. A view of but them, you yeah. can hear her clicking. Down the hall yeah. to the dumbwaiter in that first and then once she understands scene. the stakes alex does get her, her a much more comfortable yeah. and easier to move in pair of shoes which is nice yeah 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 um, we'll give you that one alex i'll actually give him a couple of things however it's just the like do we want to talk about how trash alex is now or do we should we just go else? right into it let's go into it because i do want to say that he does help her mm-hmm. but again it is like only through the lens of like his ownership and control of yes. her. Right. So yeah. no, I have it kind of beat by beat in order. Yeah. So the first thing we get is actually the first person to try to tell her not to do this is Daniel. Yes. Daniel says, You don't belong in this family. Yes. As because like, you this have is a soul. Sh- yeah. Not because you're not good enough for <laughs> yeah. us, it's because you're too good yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah. And he seems to be the only person in the family that does have any sort of relationship with Grace, other than Alex, of course. Of course. Because she like specifically references how he like hits on her and stuff. Yeah. And his, <laughs> okay, Daniel. And his drinking problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. and then it's after that that Alex is like, no, but he's right. You really don't have to do this. But neither of them are ever like because you're in danger, girl. That's right. <laughs> it's like I I really thought of um in Cabin in the Woods where they like ha- they they have them make the choice. It has to be their choice. You know, it's to true. choose it's all their about free will. Ch- but it's like, yeah. is it a real choice when you don't have any of the facts? Right. When, like, they're all being kept from you? That's when, not a choice. That's not a choice. Or, again... That's like coercion. <laughs> a coercion. Or if if no isn't an option, then yeah. yes means nothing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's very that vibes. Yeah. With this piece of shit. <laughs> um, no. And then when it does come to the game, 
He says, it's just a weird family ritual and we only have to do it once without telling her anything about what the family ritual is. And also, he's fucking lying. They aren't going to have to only do it once. What if they have children? What if anybody else in the family gets Gets married? married. Like, her own children might get married and she's going to be complicit in this. Yeah. If she doesn't, you know, end up dying herself or killing the entire family, which she does. But like, yeah, what is she just going to, without any knowledge, suddenly be stuck in this family where like one day her son or daughter or whoever is like going to maybe have to kill their spouse right and she's just supposed to go aboard like she has no idea what she's getting into exactly and it's like supposedly because he has this thought that he's gonna just somehow keep her out of it forever yeah and, and it, that's like not possible dude it does make me wonder like what alex truly believes about his family's like yes. myths you know because he's the one we t- we are we hear mm-hmm. who actually saw mr labelle when he was a child right they say it's like oh he saw it and they were just like well he was five he doesn't know what he saw yeah you know and, well, yeah and then yeah. he also has stories about how like other family members who eloped to try to avoid it and then they died yeah so like he seems to believe it Right, or I wonder if it's, like, the going back home because, the you know, the characters also make a lot of comments about, like, thank you for bringing Alex back to us. Like, yeah. Alex was gone for a while. Yeah. So, like, I wonder if maybe the separation from the estate kind of, like, maybe he started to, like, think, like, that was all bullshit. And then once he that comes back, he was like, oh, maybe this is my life though yeah you know it's a very clear contrast to i think him and daniel are such good foils for each other yeah because daniel clearly has so much ptsd about the last time that they had to do this right, which is their our opening scene yeah yeah, yeah. which is fair because alex was like in a little armoire or whatever yeah, and like didn't really see it whereas children. daniel played a very pivotal part yeah. Yeah. and like actively chose to not save this guy instead was like he's over here yeah but like this whole night, we can see that he is drinking a lot. Yeah. He can't look at the masks when the kids come in. He's like looking really frazzled, you know, and just like upset the whole time. Yeah. And where it seems like he's very aware of what is probably good. Like he seems almost convinced that they're going to play hide and seek. He already knows. Yeah. It's yeah. like he already knows. Yeah. Same with Anne Helene. She seems to know too, I think, because she can see a lot of herself in Alex. That she also seems to have this, like, preternatural sense that... Man, Aunt Helene is such an interesting character. Yeah. Also, so intense. But I just think it's interesting in comparison to Daniel, how Daniel is so resigned to it, and Alex is so in denial. Right. Yeah, there is a a lot of, like, conflict around killing Grace, right? Yeah. Like, because I, I think they do kind of have maybe some doubts about their family superstitions or like they're maybe a little more separated from it for s- being the younger generation. Yeah, they're more separated from it. Or, you know, maybe they're just like, this is too much and like this needs to stop. Yeah, because right? Alex has that thing about the reason he left is because all of the goat sacrifices were starting to feel normal. Yeah. And goat sacrifices should not feel normal to a young man. So, (laughs) But what really gets me about Alex and how he's a piece of shit. Yeah. If we're ready to really get into Alex. Let's do it. Is the fact that he doesn't tell her. And the reason he gives is that if I told you, you would have left. You would have left. And I cannot imagine my life without you. Like he was more scared of her rejecting him. Yes. Than of her potentially being murdered by his family. Which again is just like, oh my gosh, like the entitlement to her and her body yeah right it's just like well you would have left and i, I couldn't have that yeah. right? no so yeah. he tells her but he tells her 
or he keeps it from her until he cannot yeah. keep it a secret anymore. Right. When yeah. the one of the maids is dead. Yeah. Right. And it's like, OK, so some stuff's going down. Let me. Explain. Yeah. And it's right. clear that they're trying to kill Grace. Yeah. Um, but he does get her better shoes. Yeah. And he does actively work with her to try and get her out of the house. Right? He does. He tells her about the, like, the, the servant corridors. Yeah. Right? Which is another good class wealth yeah, thing about sure. how she's using the yeah. servant's corridors yes, to yeah. get out. That's pretty good. And, uh, like, the kitchen and stuff. And that the other, the other family members are less familiar with those corridors yeah. because they're the servant corridors. Yeah, what right? are they going to do in those servant's corridors? Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like Charity knows that there's a servant corridor for Alex to sneak out of. Yes. And he's, like, trying to get her out of the house. He's trying to help her but like again it's it's through the lens of like but she She's, is mine and i control her yeah like i am going to save my wife yes. my <laughs> <wife>. <laughs> no and then there's this part where it's like um alex says to his mom like i would choose grace over any of you all yes. you bitches like yes. come on yes, yes and his mom becky is just like bitch you've known this girl for a year and a half right. no and you've basically like, just been like having sex for 18 yeah. months we've like, been brainwashing you you for your entire life right exactly i think we know who you're gonna choose and that end. is something else that's like you know people are allowed to do whatever they want to do especially if they haven't made a deal with the devil but like you've known someone for 18 months and you're ready to get married like I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it, meet the family first. And his whole reason for proposing to her was that he knew that she would really want to get married and she would leave him if he didn't propose. Right. Yes. And it's like, mm, try communication. Yeah, why don't, why don't you guys talk about it? Um, maybe yeah. you can be a family without getting married. Um, right. Maybe you can be honest about the fact that you just never want to get married, and that's fine. And if that doesn't work for your relationship, then that doesn't work for your relationship, and you break up. Yes. Motherfucker. Seriously. Um, I found this really fantastic article on Polygon.com. Yeah. Written by, uh, the author's name is Emily Heller. Mm -hmm. um, and sh uh, I don't know the gender of this person, Emily yeah. makes me think female but whatever but they go like to town on alex and like whoop, said whoop. it better than i could have if if, if if i may give a quote yes please do um so because you know alex is proving to be helping grace so the family like incapacitates him right mm -hmm. you know and he arrives at the dining room to see his wife covered in blood after grace oh, has yeah. just murdered his mom right this you is know. such an important part of yes um and alex can tell that you know Grace's feelings for him have fundamentally changed, mm -hmm. right? That you like you won't like, be with me after this, will you? Yes, he says, yes, because that's all that matters that's all to that him. Matters. So, and then this is the a really great quote. It says, "This is where Alex's romantic hero facade falls away, revealing him to be just as selfish, entitled, and cruel as the rest of his family." He goes to hold Grace tenderly at first, but then forcefully, yes. calling out, "She's in here!" Right? Yes. Um, it's a gutting scene, especially considering how it calls back to the movie's opening. In which young Alex hides in the closet while his older brother Daniel routes out the last poor guy who pulled yes. the hide and seek guard, right? <laughs> He's in here. Um, and, you know, the author goes on to say, like, he loves Grace, but only, but to him, that means ownership and control. Yeah. Right. Um, Absolutely. So once he realizes that she no longer belongs to him and is no longer controlled by him, he's done. Mm -hmm. he, he starts to discard her and actually becomes a more active yeah. participant in the ritual. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like full on bought in. Yeah. At that it's, point. it's sort of like, it's just that like textbook abuse dynamic. If I can't have you, no one else yeah. can. Right. And what I love about Grace is that she starts to pick up on that in these really subtle ways. Mm -hmm. Like when she's in the car, even before Alex turns on her, she has that dream of Alex in the ritual mask. 
Oh, yeah. So it's like her subconscious is telling her, actually, you can't trust him. No. And there's a way right in the scene you were just talking about right after she kills his mom. Yeah. Where the first thing she does is back away from him and look freaked out and scared of him. Yeah. Even though he's sort of still coming at her as somebody who loves her, you know? Right. She yeah. knows that that's not. And then he does, like, physically she's assault right. her. She's right. Yeah. He, like, grabs her, you know, and, like, kind of, like, yeah. kind of by the neck, like, kind of yeah. choking her a little bit, but, like, trying to keep her no, still, she, like, she's she's in here, you know? She ends up being a really good judge of character, because at the same time, again, comparing him to Daniel, because they're just perfect foils. Right. Love brothers that are foils. Yes. Yeah. Um, she, for some reason, like, kind of just trusts him immediately, and she's right to, like... To trust Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Daniel also does a lot of stuff to help her out. Yeah. He, like, he sees her in the kitchen, and he, like, gives her a head start. Yeah, you know? he's like, I, I can give you ten seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one who, who like, poisons the family's drinks to slow them down a little bit so she can get out. You right, know? yeah. And, and he has the thing about, like, I always knew at some point someone had to burn it all down. I just didn't think it would be me. And it isn't. It's Grace, but because he helps her. Yes. but And also, he... he dies for grace he really does he does he, prote- he stands in front of her and like protects her yeah he because charity i think it's charity who's got the yeah. gun right yeah, charity and, shoots him. and she's just like and he he's like in the way he's like no i i can't let this happen you're gonna have to shoot me first and she does yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so like also a lot of really interesting stuff about daniel and charity's relationship i know right? they're oh they're like so obviously not in love with each other yeah they don't have any children at least not that we ever no. see so it's like what are you guys still doing together like could you I know, get and a it's divorce? Like, I don't know if with the devil deal, if you can leave the family ever. Yeah. Like, is divorce not an option? Yeah. It, or, or was she? Was he fully aware that whoever he married was going to be stuck in this bullshit family? And so, like, he didn't ever get attached to the person he knew he was going to get married? Like, was it more of a, a business transaction, right. a political move? Yeah. Was she important, her family important in some other way, you know, that made the marriage make sense in that way? And, like, he never wanted to love her? Right. Because he was already just so fucked up. I know. Yeah, he's just got a lot of a lot of tough. Yeah, and yeah. he has no faith in himself, even though Grace does over and over again. She's like, "I knew you would save me. You can. This isn't who you are." There's one part where he's she's like pleading with him, and she's like, "Alex loves you. He won't forgive you if you do this." And he's like, "Maybe not, but at least he'll be alive." And he says, "I'm not who you think I am." Alex is the one who got out. If anyone was going to save you, it would have been him. Uh-huh. But he's totally wrong. He's wrong. Yeah. And Grace is right. Daniel is who she thinks he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the one who saves her. Yes. I mean, Alex does stuff at the beginning, too. But when it comes, comes down, down to, to it, it he's yeah. not there for her. Whereas Daniel's like, yeah, let's burn this motherfucker down. Yeah, I'll, I'll die. It's fine. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, Daniel and Alex's relationship is interesting, too. Yeah. Well, especially because it's the first relationship we see at yeah. the beginning of the film, right? And yeah. and Daniel does kind of play like an older brother protective role. Yeah, we have for that Alex. implied later too that um Daniel is always protecting Alex. Yeah. Well, I mean he's the he's the oldest son, you yeah, know. So that like I think that, that comes with a, a really specific and set of responsibilities. It's also a very specific set of responsibilities or is an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. because also they seem to be thinking of Alex as like the next patriarch of the family even though Daniel's older. Even though Daniel's older. Because yeah. Becky's very much talking to Grace as like you're going to be the new yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Alex the one who we need to get back into the family. Yeah. We don't Thank really you care. For him back. Yeah. We don't care that Daniel's an alcoholic yeah. and that Emily's you know on coke all the time. Yeah. Like we just need Alex. He's the future of the family yeah. even though he's like the second son which is an interesting dynamic. I don't know. Daniel yeah. and Alex have a lot going on that's interesting. I wonder if like especially with such a traumatic experience that daniel had at such a young age right like that maybe like maybe even just right after that and for the rest of his life was just like obviously a mess 
right? Yeah. And, like, had PTSD, probably some depression, right, yeah. you know? And, like, this doesn't seem like a kind of family that's going to help him through that. No, God, that. no. no. <laughs> They're going to be like, here's some whiskey. Self-medicate. Like, yeah. Buck up, you know? You got this. Buck up, buttercup. No, yeah. there's that great scene that I'm now thinking about, more sibling stuff, between him and Emily, where... Who and Emily? I'm sorry. Daniel. Okay, sorry, Daniel. Still Daniel. Emily. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> where he tells her... We all deserve to die. Yes. He's like, we all deserve to die. Yeah. And Emily says, my no, kids, my kids don't. don't. But like, who are those kids being raised to be? Like, I think Daniel very much sees himself in Georgie, who's the one who like shoots Grace through the hand. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like, when he sees all that, that's kind of the moment when Daniel's like, that's that's who the kids are that we are saving. This is the family that we're like yeah. perpetuating into the future. Yeah. The kids don't actually deserve to live. They do deserve to die, and even they though they're children. Die. And they we do, do die. But they die off screen, which I'm like, okay, I can it's handle fair. this compromise. Okay. Yeah. Also, I, I'm wondering because I was just noticing, you know, I've seen this movie like three or four times now. This like kind of redemption arc for Daniel. Yes. Like he's in like, uh, you know, immediately he does something that we would consider very bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And like he's, you know, in a rough place, obviously. Yeah. The un- first thing mentally we, unwell. First thing we hear about him as an adult is that he's a drunk who hits on his yeah, brother's his brother's fiance. Yeah. 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 Um, not great. Not, not good optics. No. And then like over the course of the film is like trying to make it better like yeah. i feel like he's trying to redeem yeah. himself even if at the beginning the most that he can do is just not act that's still more than anybody else in his that's family true. is doing yeah i wonder um so my question my question i wanted to ask you yeah. is like do you think that over the course of this film daniel redeems himself you know i think there is one complication to that question okay, okay. which is that Fair. i am biased towards adam brony's face in positively or negatively? Yes, okay. very positively. Okay. I like his face. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I just, he got a good face. Which is why he was chosen for Promising Young Women. Is because they chose a lot of people who America thinks as, uh, as like, you know, Trustworthy. sweet good boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's one of my sweet good boys. Yeah. So, um, I mean, from the beginning, I'm just sort of like, oh, poor Daniel. He's got so much PTSD. Yeah. Take care of this boy. <laughs> like, I get very that way about him, which is stupid and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and I see myself for it. I yeah. see it. Um, I don't know. It's... I mean, redemption is a funny thing because it's like... That's fair. Yeah. What does he need to be redeemed for? Are we talking just for getting that one guy killed in the beginning who was probably going to get caught anyway? Right. You know, if they were relying on the children. Though, I mean, if they were as inept back then as they are now, maybe they didn't need the kids' help. Yeah. Um, is he? Is it because of all of his generational wealth right. that it seems like he's mostly drinking away? We don't know if he's involved in the family business much at all or like how much he's involved in any of the goat sacrifices or anything. Right. Like, I don't know. And then he never does anything really actively against Grace. He does he does capture her at the end when he, she's like pleading with him. But then that's only a setup for him to then poison his right. family. So yeah. it's like, mm. so I don't know. I don't know. I think before I can just say if he is redeemed in the end, it needs to establish like what he did to need redemption. Right. I mean, this whole family is our pieces of shit. Yeah. And he is a part of it. So he's complicit in it. He's definitely complicit. Right. I just mean, I'm not saying he didn't do anything bad. I'm just saying you have to establish that to then establish what exactly needs to be done to be redeemed. Right. What, what choices did he make that required redemption? Yeah. Right. And like a lot of what has happened to him has not been his choice. Yeah. The family he was born into, yeah. right? The deal with the devil. But even the it. choice to sort of go along with it all, even if just sort of resignedly, is still a choice. Right. He didn't leave like Alex did. He makes a point of that. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, he does 
Grace would not have lived otherwise. Right. But he, she also wouldn't not have for lived. Lack of trying, no, though. and she yeah. also wouldn't have lived without Alex's help. But that doesn't redeem Alex because he ends up being a piece of shit. Right, because his his uh, intent. Yeah. In 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 offering help is not. Um, I mean, I think there's something more redeemable good. about Daniel because he's the one character in the family who realizes that the family itself is the problem. Right, and that the whole it, the whole damn system is he's wrong. Go- yeah, yeah, and then actually does. So he's more redeemable than anybody else in the family. But I don't know. I don't know. It's redemption's an, a sticky thing. I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, can and we... honestly, a very like kind of Christian thing to be redeemed. Right. Well, I mean, they did make a deal with the devil. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, that's true. Obviously, that's we are in the sphere of yeah of Christianity in here somewhere. Can we just spend a quick more second yeah. talking about how Alex is a piece of shit? Yes. Yes. Because the one thing we I've didn't said talk everything about. I need no. To there's say. just one yeah. thing we didn't touch on. Yeah. Which is after his family explodes. And yes. he does yet another heel turn and is like, yes. don't leave me, honey. No, no, see, I'm saved. I, I didn't explode. It's because of yeah. you. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. like, I don't want to die. And she's like, well, neither did I, you fuck. Yeah. And just the like, oh, beautiful optics of taking yes. off the ring, throwing it at him, boom, explosion. Which raises the question. So good. If like he had never turned on her. If he had tried to help her the whole yeah. time, would LaBelle have saved him? Right. Do, which family does he belong to? Right, yeah. Right? Did she, I mean, isn't it even just the matter that since LaBelle is all about a gamble, right. he backed the right horse. Yeah. If he backed the right horse the whole time, would he have lived? I don't know. So it's interesting. And But he doesn't do that because he sucks. He sucks, yeah. Okay, totally that was right. the last thing I wanted to say about how much he sucks. So, Aunt Helene, though. Aunt Helene, she's like crazy intense, right? Yeah. And so I was wondering, as I was watching it, I was like, what is, who is this character? Yeah. We know that, like, she is, like, again, a victim of the hide-and-seek game, yes. right? Her her spouse, her husband dies. But, like, she's just so intense about everything, and the way that the actress delivers her lines is just, like, so intense and over-the-top to me. Yeah. That I couldn't help but think, like, is she a bad actor? <laughs> Um, and you know more about acting than me. I got the sense that she was acting in the way that she was told to act. That she was directed to. That maybe yeah. you just disagreed with the directing choice sure. on her. And no shade to that actress. Like, yeah. I, you know. I think it was more of a directing yeah. choice than an acting choice. Because okay, yeah. she seemed competent in what she was doing. Yeah. It just maybe wasn't what you wanted her to be doing. Also, does she give you a lesbian vibe? Because of the hair? Because of the hair. Because um, there was the only one man that she ever loved. Exactly. She does say, tr- she calls Charles the only man she ever loved. And in my brain is like, is that because you don't like men? And- <laughs> Have there been women that you love? <laughs> right, yeah. And how's the devil feel about gay marriage? Exactly. And it's just like, is that because like he's the only dude you could ever like stand yeah. for an extended period of time or like maybe her and charles was he also gay and it was yeah, a lavender marriage was it like a beard situation and like we love a lavender marriage yeah i i don't know and so i actually did not think about that but i love it it's just interesting because she's like the only man i ever loved and i was like is Say that more just on that. because you don't like men and, yeah you know because like it, it happens a lot, especially when people aren't allowed to, like, express their yeah. authentic sexuality. They, like, find someone of the appropriate gender. Yeah. And they'll be like, you'll do. You yeah. Know? Like, and I, then, I do have feelings for you. I love and care for you. But, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I was just wondering if it was maybe one of those and situations. And she's also interesting as being one of the people who's talked about, like Alex, who was maybe not as invested in the family and not as down with the whole devil deal stuff. Yeah. Which... I'm now totally reading her as gay with like the idea of her maybe being closeted lesbian and like the often 
the struggle with that be against the family religion. Right. And like being your authentic self yeah. versus the tradition that exists. Yeah. You know, no, there's something there. <laughs> and her <laughs> but I've never thought real. about it. And she's just, and she also just like, she hates everybody. Right. <laughs> she like does. what does she call we Emily? Like lesbian. Her, her brown haired niece or yeah, something. Yes. Uh, yes. My brown haired niece is still here or who, whatever. Who continues to exist. <laughs> yeah. Continues yeah. to exist. That's it. Damn Aunt Helene. Yeah. yeah and, and I do think another interesting aspect of Aunt Helene. Yeah. Is that even though she's the one who's really suffered because of this deal with the devil, right? She's in the future the one who was like the most invested in it, right? And the most dedicated to tradition, yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. interesting that that's the way that she sort of dealt with her trauma, yeah. Like she could have gone the more Daniel route of being just sort of resigned and like drinking himself to death, yeah, or the Alex route and like got the fuck out, yeah. Though, but then we have that mirrored in Alex. She's sort of one of our first signs that probably the way Alex is going to go is to really back his family and tradition. Because yeah. that's what Anne Helene ended up doing. And that's true. Yeah. They're sort of mirrored characters. Yeah. In terms of this. And now, if only Alex's hair was as cool as Anne Helene's. Yeah. Hair. Then maybe, maybe Grace would have still loved him. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> but. Since we're talking about deals with devils, if we want to get into a literary corner, literary corner, I do want to just sort of for a moment, just a little, a little brief aside about like the history or the literary history, I should say, of deals with devils. Because I think any story about this is at least to some extent drawing on the story of Faust. Is Faust considered like the OG sell your soul to the devil? No. Okay. But it definitely is the biggest one popular it's yeah. i mean he's a a german folklore figure really i guess is the best way you could put it from like the 16th century wasn't faust written by goethe there have been so many versions of faust okay. written by many people and goethe is one of them hey how about i just stop talking and no. i let you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no but you're right you're right goethe is one of them not the first but definitely one of them one of them yeah because yeah goethe came later but um there was there was a real life person like an alchemist and astrologer in germany named johann George Faust, except for it's not pronounced George because it's German. It's like however they pronounce it, Gorge, yeah. who like maybe was the influence for this Faust figure. Oh, and okay. he's the one, yeah, he's the one in the story who makes the deal with Mephistopheles is the one. I almost didn't know. Now, okay. I always want to say Mr. Mistopheles because that's the character in Cats. So can I, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Mistopheles. Mephistopheles. Meph? Mephistopheles. 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 Is that is that like a demon? Yes. Is this he's one like, of the like what are they called? Like the dukes the, or the knights of yeah, hell? there's like devil princes, there's like yeah, princes of uh, hell, there's like different levels. Mephisto. Mephisto, I think might be related to Mephistopheles. I think they're the same. Just different versions of the same name. And uh Beelzebub. Yeah. Like all, all of, of those guys. Yeah, Baal, like, Belial, Asmodeus. They're not or Asmodeus rather. They're not names for Satan. But they're like the other angels who fell with him. The other angels who fall with him, they're demons. Yeah. They're they're kind of like they 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 have high rank in the hell hierarchy. Yes. Got it. Okay. Because yeah. hell is a very organized place. It really is well because, you know, if we think about Lucifer being an angel, an angel falling, yeah. right? It's just like, yeah, you would it would make sense that it would be like like heaven but and an flipped, inverse, right? yeah, an yeah. inverse. And I also I also take umbrage when people involve the literal devil and it's yeah. like Satan himself 
like it, it, this idea of Satan, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he's got so much stuff going on. He doesn't he's care busy. about one little family. Yeah, you know, like, like Satan's not gonna go hang out with Faust. Like no, yeah, this is like those like department heads. Like that's yeah. their job. Yeah, like, yeah. They'll Satan's take care of the it. CEO. He's busy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of these deals with the devil's things, it is gonna be like a Mephistopheles or somebody else like that, or even just sort of an unspecified devil demon, whatever. And yeah, this story becomes really popular because it has so many retellings. I think the first one that sort of brought it to the English-speaking world was Kit Marlowe, who's a contemporary of Shakespeare, if you don't know. So he wrote A Tragedy of Faust. Kit Marlowe? Christopher Marlowe. Christopher Marlowe. I was going to say, you mean Christopher Marlowe? People who are really tight with him call him Kit. Oh, he's Kit. His friends call him Kit. Yeah, his friends call him Kit. Got it. We call him Kit. Cool. We love Kit Marlowe. Interesting. Um, Shakespeare's going to come up in a in a minute here. Oh, so oh. Yeah, so Christopher Marlowe, Kit, yeah. I'm familiar yeah. with him. And yes. then, as you said, there was the Goethe version, which yeah. makes some interesting changes. And then, like, Thomas Monroe one. Like, seriously, so many people, not to mention a bunch of symphonies. Like, Wagner has one about Faust. Um, I yeah. think Liszt. Schumann maybe has one. I don't know. That's more your realm. That is more my realm. There was, oh, what was it? It was in German. And it was, like... Yes, I think it's called Der Freischutz, which translates, is is not a direct translation in English, but like the best kind of translation is like the magic bullet or the magic arrow. Yeah. Where where a guy does make a deal with Satan and Satan's name is Samuel. (laughs) And I remember watching, like we watched like a a recording of it, like a a tele, you know, broadcast Mm -hmm. of it. And like the actor opera singer who like plays Satan, like looks super creepy. Like (laughs) they give him like a really like, paper white face Ooh. and like a big black cape and i was like yeah that's creepy yeah that looks I'm not like satan to me you. <laughs> yeah that looks like satan to me um uh-huh. right so we see it there in in music as well yeah, yeah. so yeah no and, and faust yeah the reason i wanted to start with faust because is because i think he's the most prominent example and i mean there's a reason that they're not always called deals with devils sometimes they're called faustian bargains right yeah it's like the other name for them but no it is not the first example i mean in terms of making deals with devils it sort of depends on our definition because there are actually like folklore and like religious stories from like cultures that predate Christianity and thus right. there is no actual devil to make deals with. Right. But yes. there are like deals with like jinn and like demons, deva, you know, yeah. things like that that like can kind of count for it. But the earliest example I really who saw. Are, who are morally ambiguous yeah, at yeah. best yeah, yeah 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 but in terms of like deals with devils yeah i think there is a um a legend from the sixth century mm-hmm. where a cleric named theophilus okay. that's my best guess sure made a deal with satan so that he could become a bishop in the church he just wanted to really move up in the church which is such a weird thing to make a deal with satan for yeah. <laughs> it's like, i want a better position in the church so i'm gonna go to satan, satan. but his story is interesting because then he repents and the virgin mary saves his soul oh yeah But then, like, so that's, like, the early example I could find. Right. But also, though, if you look into the actual Bible. Yes. There are deals with, like, what was Eve doing other than making a deal with the serpent, who is the devil, for knowledge? Yeah. Like, that's literally what Faust does. Yeah. And then she suffers the repercussions of that. Right. And then, like, he successfully tubs Judas with the 30 pieces of silver. That's true. Depending on which of the Gospels you're reading. Yeah. Um, how much Satan is involved, I mean. Yeah. Um, he tries to tempt Jesus. He tries to get go Jesus. Well. It doesn't work. And then yeah. somebody else pointed out, somebody who actually knows about religion and stuff, and I don't, yeah. that uh, 
God himself makes a deal with the devil in the Bible over Job. Over Job. Like yes. God himself yes. is making deals with the devil. Yes. He's bargaining with the devil. So it's like such an old concept. Right. And it's and it's not always for like a soul. Yeah. Right. In that case, they were just sort of fighting over Job and I guess his soul. I guess. Yeah. But then, yeah. But there are other things that people make deals for. Um, I was just sort of thinking of other popular examples since then. Um the one I'm most familiar with, of course, is Oscar Wilde's A Picture of Dorian Gray. Is that directly related to, like, a demon or just some, like, witchcraft in general? Or? He, it's a little more ambiguous, but he says that he would, like, basically give his soul for eternal youth if, like, only he could be as beautiful as this painting forever and the painting could grow ugly. Right, yeah. He, like, kind of says it out loud, <laughs> you know? Okay. But he never has a big moment where, like, a devil comes to him and is like, I'm Mephistopheles. Let me make a deal. He, like, you know. So it's not, like, as big as that. But there are, like, some really clear Faust references throughout the novel. So it's, like, it's there. But, yeah, he's making a deal for youth. So right. there's that. Um, Oh, my God. Another one that I thought of is Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Uh-huh. Like... If you actually look at her scene with Ursula, the yes. sea witch, she literally signs, she literally a, signs a contract. She yeah. signs her name in the devil's book. Yeah. The sea witch's book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and exchanges her voice yeah. for the ability to walk on land, which is kind of interesting. And then the other famous examples are actually ones from real life that are kind of interesting. Ooh. Like a Salem witches and other witches, sure. which is more what Ursula is based on. Right. Because, I mean, we just saw that in the the bitch. The um, bitch, yeah. Thomason writes her name in the book and she, sells yeah. her soul to the devil. Well, she she can't even write her name. Oh, yeah, she can. She just, she just does, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. but no, Black Philip, like, he Helps says, her. I'll guide thy yeah. hand. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh devil. Oh, you sneaky, sneaky yeah. dog. But then also... I mean, there are a few people that I didn't find very interesting to get into who are, like, um, political figures who maybe had some dealings with the all cult, like John D. or, like, John Cromwell. D. Rockefeller? No, like, Bowie back in the day, like, Elizabeth, Elizabethan court. He was one of Elizabeth's oh, courtiers. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, John D. I he don't was, know like, an John old cult guy. Oh, He's okay. an old cult guy, and there's <laughs> theories that he sold his soul to the devil. Sure. Oliver Cromwell, maybe, also sold yeah. his soul to well, the devil. Well, he canceled Christmas, so. So, yeah. uh, he did something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then, um, in more, like... I guess more modern American yeah. stuff, or not even just American, Western. Yeah. Um, a lot of musicians yes. are said to have made deals with the devil. Yes. I mean, the big one is Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson, yeah. I he was went like, down who's to the crossroads. that guy's name who went to the crossroads? Yeah, he who went down to the crossroads. Robert Johnson. And then he died. Yeah. He's a member of the 27 Club. He died really young. Oh, wow, yeah. Because and the it, devil took his soul, and maybe. And it is really interesting because, like, it is my understanding of that folklore is like he kind of disappeared for a while. Like yeah. no one saw him for a while. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he's and like, like crazy amazing. good at guitar. Yeah. But then he's only good for like a year or some very small amount of time. And then he dies. Right. So it's like, oh, he made some sort of deal with the devil. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. He sang about it in a song. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also like Jimmy Page maybe made a deal with the devil. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> but he is, he was into occult shit. So. No, man. They're just like. They're I mean, just weirdos. They're Led, just nerds. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. Like, I love Led Zeppelin, yeah. but, like, they're pretty clearly, like, lifting heavily, if not plagiarizing, like, the work of, of black musicians. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't and need also to make just a deal like, with the devil for that. They're just, know? like, nerds and stuff, too. Yeah, and that, of course, nerds, they're just yeah. taking that they're, sort of They're trick. just reading Tolkien. It doesn't, yeah. Mean, yeah. it doesn't mean they sold their soul to the devil. Yeah. Okay. But, no, there's, like, just sort of a history of musicians making deals with the devils. And I think there's a, a violinist named Pagliani or something. Oh, maybe, okay. Maybe, yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. And the interesting thing, also, about making deals with devils is that they pretty much always end badly. Always, yeah. There are a few ex exceptions of people who, like, kind of outsmart or outplay the devil. 
right. if they're musicians. I think that comes up in the music ones too. Like I want to yeah. say Tenacious D does that. They have a song about Pick that. Destiny. Right? Yeah. I actually never saw them. And then that there's movie. the movie yeah. Crossroads with Steve Vai of all people oh, in wow. it. And the Karate Kid guy. Okay. The kid in the Karate Kid. Okay. Where that kid needs to have a guitar duel against Steve Vai, who is basically the devil. Oh, and he and, beats him and in a that, guitar duel. What's that song? Like, Devil Went Down to Georgia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all over music. Yeah, especially over, blues, yeah. blues music. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. So normally it goes badly, but sometimes the musicians and other people manage to outsmart or outplay them in, like, games of chance or whatever. Yeah. And then there's also some people who um, repent so fully. That the deal gets broken for them. Like right. that that cleric I was talking about. And also like Guta's version of Faust mm-hmm. that actually has another woman, a woman named Gretchen, prays for him. Actually, she dies. Mm. But then in heaven, she's like, but we could save his soul still. Right. And like goes out on a lint for what him, even all though of, he's awful. What all of this is reminding me of is like... Is that show? Is the show, the show supernatural? I was going to say because right? that well, what you were saying about how it's never Satan himself, right? It's often these other demons. Yeah, yeah. They're, like supernatural has those specific crossroad demons, yeah. whose job it is is to make deals for people's souls. Yeah, and yeah. if they break the deals, here come the hellhounds. Uh, yeah. Um, but what I like about this movie to just bring it back to our film, right? Is that this gives us the instead of like all of these other stories about people who make deals. It's their story. It's the story of the person who makes the deal. Mm -hmm. This is the only story that I can really think of where the perspective is somebody off to the side who is like a victim of the person who made the deal. Right. At Grace. Yeah. 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 Like she didn't make the deal herself, but she still suffered from it. Right. Like that's common. Like Dorian Gray is seduces Sybil Vane and then she kills herself, you know, or what I was just saying about Faust, he seduces Gretchen and they have a bastard kid who's like she who dies and then she dies you know Uh like that's a common thing is like some young poor woman or man who's like totally ruined by the person who made the deal and in this story we're actually getting that person's perspective which is really cool the the person who's closest to innocence yeah like the innocent bystander who's not really the one who's doing it and so it's cool and normally that person still gets fucked over you know because they're showing how much this guy got corrupted because he seduced a woman and then she killed herself or whatever. And, oh, this guy is her story. So it's cool to have Grace here to be like, actually, you know what? Um, This is all bullshit and I'm not going to play along with it. Yeah. And I'm not going to die. Original script, the original script for this movie did end with her dying. Does, yes, the original script does have them them, Which would be more typical yeah. of the genre. Exactly. This is, I, I don't know, it just keeps coming back to Promising Young Woman. But, like, <laughs> this is what also makes me think about Promising Young Woman. Because that movie, no spoiler, I guess, like really made me believe that like the those perpetrators of the that crime were going to get away with it Mm -hmm. and i was like i understand that that is realistic yeah but i'm watching a movie to escape reality have a bit of catharsis have some catharsis and i want to see these pieces of shit brought to justice and they do at the last minute right so like Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of similar with with this kind of movie it's like uh, okay in reality yes this this person who is like uh, of a a lower social class than the family will like probably be taken advantage of and in this case be sacrificed yeah but i don't want to see that i want to see we see that enough in our daily life you know the workers at amazon or whatever example you want to use from our real lives I want to see her actually burn the place down. The people who are in, in, in like every sense of the word have less power. Yeah. I want to see them like take their power and like and succeed. Though and speaking on that, this was something I meant to say before, but I forgot to. Going back to Grace, who you said as like the closest to the innocent right. and being the one who like 
takes them down or whatever. What I find interesting about her in this movie is that she continues to be very reactive and even burning down the house is an accident. Like she never actually gets to have that moment other than kind of when she kills the, the mom and is like, fuck your family. Right. Well, yeah, especially because, well, Becky is like, you, she says something awful like you don't deserve a family yeah yeah she says you don't deserve a family yeah and grace is like fuck your family fuck you yeah Which, yeah so i mean she's been antagonized and, and that's like her only yeah. actual kill that's true yeah because there's the woman in the dumb waiter and then the yeah. butler she tries to take the butler down with her wedding dress which is great but she just sort of knocks him out for a second yeah. and then he dies in the car in the car crash yeah which she causes but also and then yeah when the she's not trying to she's not trying to crash the car and i just feel like because even the fire is kind of an accident she just sort of knocks over one of the lanterns when she's sort of in the scuffle right and i just feel like if any final girl like deserves to actually actively burn shit to the ground like if we actually saw her purposely lighting the shit to the ground i would have been like yeah grace but get it but they keep her like more innocent and reactive throughout the movie and also, I mean, I absolutely love the very last scene where, like, the house is starting yes. to burn down. And she's she's covered in blood and guts. She's just looks a mess. <laughs> and she just kind of, like, just sits down and, like, lights a cigarette. Yeah. And, and like, her response for what happened. Yeah. She's just, like, in-laws. It's like, it's the last word of the film. Yeah. In-laws. So she's just an interesting character as a fan. I mean, often yeah. final girls are kind of passive and reactive yeah until they and, sort of take over at the end and virginal she yeah, yeah. spends the entire movie in a white wedding dress yeah. right which she makes dirty and disgusting of but course, yeah. yeah yeah well and the other thing i want to talk about because we're talking about deals with devils right. is like you said how it's often princes of hell and things like that kings right. of hell or like yeah, um, kings or knights or dukes or i don't, I don't yeah. know yeah labelle yes as people have pointed out you probably saw that is right. an anagram for belial yes and then Ladomas is yeah. maybe an anagram anagram for Asmodel, oh. which is like Asmodai, Asmodeus, okay. Asmodeus. Asmodeus. I'm not exactly sure how his name is pronounced. But um, Belial, who is Mr. LaBelle, yes, he is in like Paradise Lost. Oh, he's one of the main angels that fall with Satan. Oh, okay, which is I think very purposeful because I don't know if you caught this. The nanny when she's reading a bedtime story to the she's kids, she's reading Paradise yeah. Lost. I know it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's and specifically it's like, oh, what children yeah. <laughs> she's okay. specifically reading one of satan's lines where he says here we may reign secure and in my choice to reign is worth ambition though in hell better to reign in hell than, than serve, serve in, in heaven, heaven. which yeah. is like the whole thesis of their family right yeah and then like so then asmodee or asmodel or asmodeus is a prince of hell who shows up in like all the christian jewish islamic thought mm-hmm. and both asmodel and belial are named as demon kings oh. in like um there's the 17th century grimoire the lesser key of solomon not sure if you're familiar uh that rings a bell but i couldn't yeah, they yeah. just sort of list all of the devils and their different ranks and so they're listed as demon kings you're totally right i did see that but did, did you also see i i looked up because the, the name labelle and ladomas like to they're like f- give a french vibe yeah did you look at that i, I did, did too. i did look it up yeah what do so you see labelle it just means like in French usually means like the rent or the lease. Yeah. Right. Which makes it's sense interesting. To me. Yeah. Because if it's like, OK, there's one party getting temporary use of something yeah. such as material sex success yeah. and like wealth and stuff in exchange for consistent payment of, you know, goat sacrifices. Of goat sacrifices. And the, the occasional, occasional human, human sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. And so it's perfect. Like, like whoever realized that LaBelle and Balliol are anagrams and use them in this movie, whichever writer that was. Yeah. Genius. Clever. Genius stroke. Yeah. Um, and then La Domas, Domas is 
a, a conjunction of the Spanish verb domar, which means to tame or to control. Okay. I was wondering about yeah. that. So domas, so that would be like, to say domas would be like I, t- or you tame or you control. Okay, yeah. cool. It would be the, it would be the informal second person. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know Spanish more than I do. Yeah. Because yeah, I was also looking at le domas yeah. as French, but there isn't a direct French. No. There's domain okay <laughs> which is like area or domain right like dom- domicile mm-hmm. i assume it has a similar root and then i started getting into latin roots because there's the latin domus okay which means home mm-hmm. which then becomes dominus yeah which means lord uh-huh and also gives us words for like lordship and ownership also and like, that makes me think of dominion that's where i'm going oh, with okay. this sorry sorry yeah. i no, did it again no you're absolutely right okay. i love when you know where i'm <laughs> okay. going because yeah you dominion have, yeah you have on the one hand you have this idea of like domus home family yeah. which is very much what they are yes and then on the other hand rulership control dominion, dominion. yes and so then it's like is this because the le domasis have been given dominion over the world through their economic success right or is it because the lord satan has chosen them as his domain as his area that he rules over yeah and i particularly yeah. love the um the patriarch of the original guy uh-huh victor yeah. Le Domas, uh-huh. which is such a great name because victor, victor victory yeah. winner and stuff yeah. but like there's a way with Lodomas meaning like home or whatever that you could translate that to the house always wins Victor oh! Le Domas, right? That might be a stretch, oh, but I really no. like it. I love it because, so I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet, but like literally, so I think, I don't remember which happens first, but one of the very first scenes is that flashback yeah. to previous, the last guy who died playing hide and seek, right? Yeah. And then we kind of get like the establishing shot as the, uh, the yeah. credits roll. And the very first thing they show us is literally a cartoon devil. Yes. Surrounded the board by- game surrounded by cards dice a roulette wheel yeah. like playing chips and it's like it's literally telling us everything that's happening in this film it's just I like hey it. they sold their soul to the devil for a fortune in games yeah it's like no because right their there. first big game was labelle's gambit. gambit yes and they and also have a game a game literally called family ritual no i i even actually paused it to look at the other yes. game names what else was there um first off labelle's gambit has yeah. a tagline that's take a risk gain the advantage yes. which, which is, is interesting so because it's a risk so just because you take the risk doesn't mean you will gain the advantage yeah it's a risk yeah anyway yeah. yes that it's was interesting fan- that was fascinating. yeah because yeah. it's a gambit you don't know if it's gonna yeah. and the house always wins the house victor always wins. ladomas yes just saying no so there's family ritual yeah there's sunrise because that's that's when they need to kill her that's by. That's when they need to kill her There's by. one that's called Abracadabra, which oh, I don't okay. know about. Okay, it's just like yeah, magic-y things. Yeah. There's one that's Secret Council. Okay. And then there's one that's Public Defender, oh. which I don't get as much, uh-huh. other than like maybe Alex being the defender. Maybe. Or because she's going to need a good public defender after this. Right. <laughs> like, also, it's going to, well, the house is burning down, which is going to yeah. mess up some evidence. But, like, they literally exploded. Like, there's nothing she could no have body, done. No body, no crime, bitch. <laughs> there's nothing she could have done yeah. to to make that happen to yeah. them. Right? Yeah, yeah she's going to need yeah, a good But, yeah, no, it's, defense, really, it's yeah. really good set design to have the board game set up. The names of the board game set up the entire movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, here is the entire movie. It's all in that first yeah. scene. Yeah, it's all laid out. Yeah. It's also just like, of course, the most like stereotypical 
depiction of the devil. Yeah. Red skin, horns, like thin mustache, little goatee, the widow's peak. It's just like, oh my gosh. Okay, guys, we get it. We get it. He's the devil. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about everybody else's names? Because. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the ones that really stick out to me are grace and charity. Yeah. No, because I think in general, there's a lot of like, I don't know, perversion of like godly language and godly names true yeah because the, the other thing i was thinking about for domus domin all of that Lemon dominion loss. stuff yeah the name dominic uh-huh means belonging to the lord oh because domus is lord and some times that means the lord dominus yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah you know anno domini or yeah. whatever the year of the lord or uh-huh. whatever <laughs> you know like that's another thing but we get that throughout the family daniel, daniel. god is my judge yeah alexander he's in the bible Oh, I was just thinking about, like, Alexander the Great. I have some thoughts on that, too. Okay. But we'll get to that. Okay. Daniel's wife is Charity. Yes. Which, of course, is, it's one of the virtues or whatever. Yes. But it's ironic because she's, she's described as a gold digger. Yeah, she's yeah. not charitable at all. Um, yeah. Tony is probably Anthony. Anthony, yeah. Which is, like, the name of, like, ten Christian saints. Okay. Um, Becky is Rebecca. Rebecca. Who's very famously the mother of Esau and Jacob. So she's, like, one of the really important matriarchs of Christianity and those abrahamic religions abrahamic religions yeah yeah um not sure about emily and fitch those aren't really any anything especially since emily's name is spelled with an ie at the end it's spelled in a very interesting way which is interesting but their sons are gabe as in like the archangel gabriel and georgie who in my mind is probably like saint george the dragon slayer especially since he's the one who goes out to try to like shoot her yeah he does try to get her yeah and then of course the big one is that the bride is named grace of course which apparently was a virtue name created by the puritans Oh. You know, when they made all those virtue names and grace is one that stuck around. But yeah, grace is interesting right. because the idea of grace, God's grace, is that that's how he acts. That's his like unmerited divine assistance giving t- given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification, wow. according to Miriam Webster. Wow. So the grace is how God acts on earth. I and here's grace. grace. Here yeah. is literal grace literal come to grace. fight against the devil. Yeah. So those are like the biblical ones, but I think you're right that Alexander, yeah. even though it's in the Bible, the immediate yeah. connection is... Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Alex, as in like Alexander, meaning like leader of men or something yeah, like he's, that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very much more on the like victor yes. dominion yeah. side yeah, of things, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I feel like is one of our, another one of our early cues, clues that Alex maybe isn't going to be on Grace's side in the end, that he is going to go with the dominion stuff. Yes, yeah. Um, it also gives her another connection, him another connection to Aunt Helene. Uh-huh. Because Helen of Troy is what Helene brings to mind, especially since the way she spells it yes. is actually more like how they would have spelt it in ancient Greek with right. like the like that that's a better transliteration. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well that's the beautiful woman who brought the guy that loved her to his death. Which right. Is yeah. What Aunt Helene does. Yeah. And of course, that man, Paris, is also known as Alexandros. Okay. So Alex. Alex so it's like yeah. another connection between them two. Oh. Possibly Antony could also be a connection to like Mark Antony. Sure. Which yeah. is like just another ruler. Yeah. And dominator who yeah. also famously lost. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that you brought up these kind of like these larger than life historical figures like Alexander the Great mm-hmm. and Mark Anthony and, you know, these people who have, you know, for lack of a better word, built empires, right? Uh-huh. Um, and that leads me so beautifully yeah. into Music History Corner. Yes. I love that we get one of these. Uh, we need more of these. We do because uh, I was... 
so as I was re- I was doing my research, I was actually uh, listening to Tchaikovsky. Uh, <laughs> as I, one does. Because I actually love Tchaikovsky. So let me let me just like bring this back so we know what we're talking about. So yes. Stevens, the butler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about him that we haven't mentioned yet because I wanted to save it for this. So yes. we see him at least three times humming, singing, conducting mm-hmm. part of Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. So I love the 1812 Overture, and it was very interesting to see Stevens love it as much as he did. And so I was like, okay, so the history of the 1812 Overture is absolutely fascinating. So I wanted to look into it, and so I was doing some research, and as I was researching, I was um, listening to Tchaikovsky, and I just freaking love Tchaikovsky so much. So let me just kind of lay the Tchaikovsky scene for you. So um, he he actually doesn't live very long. He's born in 1840, and he dies in 1893. Oh, So he doesn't really make it very long, although he is, over the course of his lifetime, an incredibly prolific composer. Um, He's the, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the, Russian composer of the Romantic era. Um, And he is absolutely the first Russian composer whose music makes a lasting impression internationally. Oh, Um, interesting. He wrote really, really popular pieces. Like, obviously, everybody knows The Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. Everybody's familiar with Swan Lake. I'm um, going to be honest. When you were like, Tchaikovsky, love him. I did not realize we were talking about The Nutcracker guy or The Swan the Lake Nutcracker guy. guy. Okay. Yeah. He's And because I'm quite fond, too. He's very good. His, <laughs> his first piano concerto is amazing. He writes a lot of music inspired by uh, Shakespeare works. He writes uh, an overture for Romeo and Juliet. Um, he also wrote works based on The Tempest and Hamlet. Interesting um, choices. Yes. Uh, so Tchaikovsky's a really interesting guy. And overwhelmingly, it's it's considered that he was probably gay. Mm. Um, I don't, but did he sell his soul to a devil? No, I don't think he sold okay. his soul to any devils. Um, it's, it's likely that he was gay, although I do, like, I do have a problem with when we assign a sexuality to a historical figure who, in language that we use now exactly it's just like not. we don't know what especially tchaikovsky living under like a really oppressive russian government yeah. like we don't know the language he would use to yeah. describe himself um although it's 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 pretty well documented and, and pretty well considered among music historians that he was gay the nutcracker is gay heard it here first <laughs> Um, the 1812 overture is an E flat major, which is an important key. Okay. Uh, believe me. Uh, so sure. Continue. E, e flat major is actually a really, really significant key. It is overwhelmingly during the classic and romantic eras, periods of music considered to be like a heroic key. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, just please note that I'm doing air quotes as yes, I say yes. that. Right. So, um, Beethoven's third. Uh, called the Eroica Symphony, which originally was dedicated to Napoleon Bonaparte, oh, okay. is in E flat major. That vibe. That vibe. So we've got, it's in E flat major, three flats, E flat, A flat, B flat. Okay. So the, the key itself is is important. And Tchaikovsky was actually commissioned to write the 1812 overture in uh, 1880, right? Oh, okay. He's, he's commissioned to write it for... Um, the opening concert of an all Russian arts and industrial exhibition. Ooh, an expo. So there's also a lot of nationalism yeah. happening here as well. And so he's 
he's commissioned to to write it in 1880 by this guy Peter Jurgensen, and of course Peter is spelled P Y O T R. Oh yeah, Peter. 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 Who is likely considered to be possibly one of Tchaikovsky's male lovers. Oh, yeah, and cute. I mean, in a yeah, I don't know, in a kind of eighteen eighties brooding way. Yeah, I see it. He needed nice hair. He needed to. Uh, I mean, you got to keep that beard nice and long to keep you warm in, in the Russian, Russian winter. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. you just got to work with that one. So Peter Jurgensen, he's a he's a musical he's a music publisher. Oh, and and just a friend of Tchaikovsky. Yeah. And so good to date a publisher. That's useful as an artist, <laughs> right? Um, so. Peter Jurgensen is like, hey, we need a piece for uh, the opening of this all-Russian arts and industrial exhibition. Uh, it can be in any key, in any form, uh, between 15 to 25 minutes long. Just right? make it epic. Just make it epic, right? And Tchaikovsky doesn't want to do it. <laughs> um, he, I actually have some really great quotes um, that are between like him and Peter Jurgensen's letters to each oh, other. Yeah? Um, he says... Tchaikovsky says, there is nothing more antipathetic to me than composing for the sake of some festivities or other. (laughs) What might one write on the occasion of the opening of an exhibition besides banalities and generally noisy passages? Get it. However, I do not have it in my heart to refuse such a request. And so I keep accepting these unsympathetic tasks regardless. So also... He's like, bitch, I don't want to. I know. But I will, I guess. And like... For me, with Tchaikovsky, it's like depression recognized depression. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's just, just like, like that. Also, that like common artist thing of like, I don't want to be a sellout. I don't want to do like the base commercial shit. Yeah. I want to be an artiste. Yes, but uh, I've been commissioned, yeah. and, and also and you know need money, and <laughs> he needs the money, and also you know, um, Russia in this time. This is pre Bolshevik Revolution, so yeah. he's got a czar, and he's actually you know with Tchaikovsky's popularity the Russian government does really kind of have a hold on him. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, he traveled really extensively and that was like in part to like gain, you know, knowledge and inspiration, oh. but also to get the fuck out of Russia. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though he did also travel really extensively in rural Russia, which is, you know, most of Russia. Right, yeah. Um, But like, I think uh, to me, I think it was probably multifaceted. It was like gain inspiration and learn more about the world and also get the fuck out of Russia. Um, so, Tchaikovsky's not stoked on it, but he does it anyway. And he finishes it, and he actually composes it over the course of about two months, from November to, uh, from September to November 1880. And it's scheduled to be performed uh, the next year in Moscow, to, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is also meant to commemorate Russia's defeat of Napoleon in yeah. 1812, which is why it's called the 1812 Overture, even though it is not written until right. 1880. Right. I, I was... I, yes. Yeah. This was a surprise to me. Yes. This was a twist in the story. Yes. So Tchaikovsky writes it and he's not happy with it. Let me write, let me read you another quote. Yes, please. The muse has been kind to me recently, mm. which is an, a nice start. Um, so that with good speed, I have written two things, namely one, the grand festival overture for the exhibition. That's the, the 1812 overture mm-hmm. and two, the serenade for string orchestra and four movements. So he's kind of working on two things at the same time. And the, the muse has been kind, right? Yeah. That's nice. um, both of these, I am now orchestrating little by little. The overture will be very loud and noisy, <laughs> But I wrote it without any warm and loving feelings. <laughs> and consequently, it will probably be lacking in artistic merit. Oh, baby. In 1882, the composer writes to, to Peter Jurgensen, I am undecided as to whether my overture is good or bad, but it is probably, without any false modesty, the latter. 
<laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> so Tchaikovsky's just not into this. Like, it's yeah. just not his, it's not his gig. Yeah. Right? Like, he. It's like, yeah, it's doing commissioned, yeah. commissioned art. Like artists you don't do care about to pay the bills. Because it's, yeah, it's yeah. the thing that makes the money. It's not the thing you do for the passion. Exactly. So, but it's unfortunate that Tchaikovsky feels this way because I feel the opposite. <laughs> um, well, it's like really popular, It's right? very popular. I mean, yes. I, I don't, I didn't know it by name, but I recognized it as yes. like, oh, that's a piece that, that I've heard piece, before. I've, I've heard it in movies. Yeah, yeah, it comes up a lot in things. Absolutely. I don't know what things couldn't name them, but I've heard it for sure. And well, hey, is that the you. Nutcracker guy? That's not that what is I the Nutcracker guy. <laughs> it's a really, in my opinion, a really beautiful piece. And I'm wondering if maybe Tchaikovsky was like, I don't think it's good because he is very blatantly using other pieces Mm. so for instance at the very beginning of the piece it begins with like this really simple plaintive russian melody which is basically like an eastern orthodox hymn basically um that translates to uh oh lord save thy people Mm -hmm. so this represents the russian people like praying yeah that like because you know uh, napoleon's kicking ass up to this point right so like oh my gosh napoleon's coming like please god save you know keep us safe right they could have made a deal with the devil but they didn't but they didn't they went to god so this represents you know the russian people praying for that swift conclusion to the invasion and then we start to hear now this is really a really interesting piece of history we start to hear what is now the french national anthem la marseille La, La Marseillaise. La Marseillaise, thank you. Um, representing the French army invading. However, now La Marseillaise was written before Napoleon's time, but Napoleon actually banned it. <laughs> so it would not have been playing or not have been yeah. a song, you know. Yeah. It's like one of those things that people do when they make like, um, there's a word for it. The Tiffany problem. Oh. Where people who are making like historical novels even though Tiffany would have been a name at, in, like, the Elizabethan times. Sure. They can't use it because it sounds so modern. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is another, like, time thing where, like, uh-huh. okay, this isn't technically accurate to the time, but it's what the people of this time will recognize as French. Yes. So we're going to use it because it's French. And, and that is the thing is that, like, probably the more educated, you know, aristocracy of Russia at this time is going to hear that song and, and know yeah. what it means and what it represents right um so even though napoleon actually like nixes yeah, that it's and, not then, really. and then it becomes the french national anthem after mm. and still to this day right so those are just kind of you know that that russian folk song and hymn with la marseillaise like together you know kind of representing the battle right oh, okay and then uh, and then at this point we hear five cannon shots heard this was one of the reasons why this i think this piece is so popular is because one of the instruments is a literal cannon <laughs> yeah who doesn't um, love representing the battle of Borodino? Of course, which I believe is because it, through uh, Napoleon's campaign in Russia in 1812, they actually fight about five battles, and he actually only loses one of them. Oh. Um, but it's the one that matters. It's that one, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's when we hear La Marseillaise, the most prominent, and then we hear like a really long descending run, which is representing like the French retreating out of Moscow, mm-hmm. right? Especially because. Napoleon makes the age-old mistake of invading Russia in yes, the winter. You don't do you that. You never do Napoleon. that. Napoleon. And even by Napoleon's time, even people should know that. You yeah. should know that you do not invade Russia in the winter. So they're retreating out of Moscow, right? Um, and then we kind of start to get into the grand finale. And this is where we hear um, 
the melody, we get 11 more cannon shots, and we get the melody of God Save the King, mm. uh, which is the British national Yeah, anthem. what's that about? So, great question. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is the melody of God Save the King, but it is also the melody of God Save the Tsar. Uh. So, I think God Save the King came first, mm. and then Russia's like, cool, we're taking the tune, and we're rewriting it for our Tsar. Yeah. And then, at the very end, with the cannon fire, is the melody from the 1812 overture that that's that's the part that i really we hear that um honestly it's it's a very popular piece to play on fourth of july with fireworks we hear it in the final scene of that movie v for vendetta like it's around yeah 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 um it's definitely in the popular culture and it's it's very much like it's it because it's meant as like a celebration of like this opening you know exhibition so it's very um victorious yeah and yeah and it's celebratory it's, it's and... an e-flat major yeah. yeah you know and it's just yeah it's very fun it's very jumpy it, it is fun it's a fun tune he does a really good job it's a bummer that he didn't like it very much well um, fun is not the most artistically, artistically fulfilling. fulfilling i don't know why though fun's great Fun's why fun. can fun not be artistically valuable yeah i like why fun. cannot horror movies be artistically valued these are questions we have yes so uh, this brings me back to why does stevens love the 1812 overture yes so tell me all about it i have a thought so i, I i've already mentioned this like stevens is very strangely loyal to the, mm-hmm. the ladomas family right and he he ends up dying for, for the ladomas family yeah um, and so I'm like, Stevens, what's your deal? Why do you love the 1812 Overture so much? So I think Stevens is terribly misguided. <laughs> I think Stevens thinks that he represents Russia, or mm. at least a Russian, right? Yeah. He's protected by the strong, absolute ruler. He's yes. in this hospitable climate, right? Yeah. But he's not Russia. And I was like, is he Napoleon? No, he's not even Napoleon because he doesn't have that much power, right? Right. He's just kind of like a foot soldier yeah. in Napoleon's war, either as a way to survive or he is really a true believer mm-hmm. in this imperialistic idea that Napoleon is putting forward. And then it all comes crashing down, yeah. right? Eventually, Napoleon is defeated in yeah. Russia and he's... Uh, eventually defeated permanently and is exiled and, right, yeah. and dies in exile right um so but like, and also with napoleon uh-huh. even before he's defeated that doesn't it almost doesn't matter when you're a soldier because you're still putting your life on the line every time like you can be defeated on an individual level you are going to be defeated on an individual level right. so much sooner than napoleon is. right while you're the foot you're the one in the front yeah. you know if you're while the empire might still continue yeah. to, to, yeah, to limp on. Just like this family, the Lenoasses, think about the goats and Grace and their maids and everybody. He's expendable. He's replaceable. Mm-hmm. Soldiers are expendable and yep. replaceable. And like, and maybe Stevens is super cool being a foot soldier for the Lenoasses. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because that's all he knows sort of thing. Um, but it's just, it's really, it was just absolutely fascinating to me that he's like so into the 1812 overture. And I was like, do you understand yeah. what this music represents? Because he's even playing, yeah, he's getting so celebratory because he thinks he caught Grace and yes. he thinks they won. Yes. And he's like singing and conducting. And, and yes. Yeah. And that's how Grace gets him. That's true. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. So uh, you said you had some fan theories. Uh, I, I did look at some things. I'm going to be honest. I did not look at fan theories. Okay. So I'm, I'm, some of them I are can't things wait I to hear. At. 
Okay, so this one is the small one. Going back to how Grace, like the meaning of her name and how right. she's like maybe on a mission from God or being protected by God, has some sort of connection to God. Mm-hmm. Um, Samara Weaving, the actress, yeah. has a couple tattoos. Oh. There's a chili pepper right there on one of her hands. Okay. And then we also actually see a little moon that she has on one of her fingers. She has like a little crescent moon. I don't remember either of those, but I but, believe you. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. she has this kind of big, dark, just like all black chili pepper oh. right on one of her hands. Interesting. But there was this, okay, so this random theory website called Conspiracy Meow. <laughs> conspiracy meow yeah like a cat meow okay um that seems to just sort of be kind of like a joke fan theory and then also like some conspiracy theory stuff but like in sort of a fun silly way okay pointed out that it looks like a cornicello which is this italian symbol which is like a curved horn okay and it can be like gold or silver but it's often made with red coral and because of that and because of its kind of curved shape People often say that it's like a chili pepper. Oh. And so actually in certain parts of Italy, you will see either these cornicello talismans or you'll see actual chili peppers oh. hung up because they are meant to ward off evil, oh. like evil eye stuff. Yeah. And then also like bring fortune and also like maybe increase fertility going sure. back to like more There's, pagan stuff. That's you know? always a thing. Yeah. 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 And like because like red itself is like a lucky color and it yeah. symbolizes victory over yeah. enemies, which includes the devil. This like, specifically, true. the Cornicello is supposed to be victory over the Dalabelle. Over evil. Yeah. 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 Which was, I just thought that was, like, obviously that was not something that the, I don't, they didn't intend, because that's just a tattoo that she has, that they chose not to cover up, because it does make sense for Grace's yeah. character that she'd have tattoos. Yeah. But it's sort of interesting to think about, maybe that's part of why she went, or, like, part of protecting her. Yeah. Maybe why she not, doesn't get seen a lot, why she's good at hiding a now, lot, is because she actually has a bit of protection. Now, tell me. What do you remember which hand that tattoo is on? And is that the one she gets shot through or the other one? I think it's the other one. Because okay. I think she gets shot through the one that has the little moon on her finger. Okay. But I'm not positive. Okay. I don't know. So, yeah. I don't think that's like an actual thing. But I just thought it was a cute that's idea. very interesting. I yeah. thought it was a cute idea yeah. of like, why does Grace win? Well, yeah. because these guys are all incompetent yeah but <laughs> but also maybe and she's she has, got a little extra on her side yeah maybe she's yeah. got a little extra on her side yeah. so that's just a little side one i saw the other one that i thought was interesting uh-huh. is that there's this moment where aunt helene refers to alex as the chosen one yeah and like what is that about like I'm is that just aunt, aunt helene, aunt being helene crazy? is like so intense like <laughs> is she making it up yeah. is there in their family some sort of chosen one prophecy that we just aren't hearing about and, and what are they chosen to do is it because he like saw labelle when he was a child right and then i was like maybe she's wrong and grace is the chosen one because she's the one who actually wins the game she does. and earns labelle's respect that's true he, and like this whole thing starts with victor winning a game against the devil he like appears for a moment yeah. and gives her like a, a cordial head nod you yeah know? and kind of tips yes. his glass like yeah. he's coasting her which yeah. goes back to when she does a toast to mr labelle at the beginning of the movie oh uh-huh, yeah and like everyone's like awkwardly drinking alex doesn't even drink because it's like so awkward oh boy because she's the only one who doesn't know she's about to die that's another thing though i don't want to interrupt you but like no, that is it. another thing like they're especially in that scene after the wedding and like they're all together as a family like the vibe is so weird <laughs> it's so bad And grace is like not picking up on i it. think grace is just like this is family right she doesn't know what it means to have a family yeah. so like maybe they're super awkward and weird all the time yeah. and like this 
is. And I, she has yeah. stories from Alex about how, like, uh, my family's, like, kind of crazy and yeah. awful. And so she's, she's like, like, this is what the Lodo Masses are and, like, like, and I want to be least, a part of your family. At least Becky is super nice to her and super she is, welcoming. But even she gets weird, like, when they when she, when she Grace toasts to Mr. LaBelle. Yeah, yeah. She, even she's just like, oh, boy, you yeah. know, and, like, takes a drink really quickly. Yeah. And, and, see, like, is visibly very uncomfortable. And it's just yeah. like, Grace, why aren't you picking up on the fact that everyone that looks so really uncomfortable weird. right now? anyway but so then there were some theories about basically about the ending and it's like is that nod and because she won a game Mm -hmm. technically against the devil and that's how this all started Uh was that not her ending everything but that was that actually her beginning a new deal with the devil right right yeah i would like to think that it is that that's like the end it's just like okay this is the end like are those the rest of the la domases you know because they do mention other family members they have and you know it's like oh oh i thought they died in a house fire it's like that's what they want you to think but it was mr labelle you know right which is setting us up for the ending of course yeah yeah because the papers will say it was all a house fire of course yeah because it does burn down yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I would love if that was more of a representation of, like, our business here is finished yeah. rather than I would our like business that. here is beginning. Yeah, yeah, I would like that, too. But For it Grace. is interesting, yeah. especially when you combine it with the other theory that if the entire family does die, is she inheriting the Ledomas fortune? Right. Which she got, which was earned through this deal with the devil. Does she have, I mean, is it like the 30 piece of silver? Is it like right. cursed money now? That comes with this deal with the devil. Yeah, I don't know. I remember I was kind of looking into that about like when we went, but it was more from the perspective of the character of Alex is like, which family does he belong to? Mm-hmm. Right. Because he's kind of separating himself from the Ladomases and like mm-hmm. it's their family and their family fortune and their family mm-hmm. agreement with the devil. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't explode until last. She rejects him. She takes off her, her wedding family. Ring. Yeah. 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 And so, like, does she, does she ever actually become a member of the Ladomas family? Not really. No. Right? So. But it's possible, then, that she's starting a new family with a new deal. Maybe. Or, or she's ending it all. Or she's ending it all. I don't know. It's kind of ambiguous. It's interesting. There has been a talk of a second one. Oh, interesting. There's talk. There's been talk of a second one for quite a while. I mean, I mean, this movie came out in 2019, so it's actually not that old. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been talk of a second one and like what would that second one look like? Like yeah. would it pick up from where Grace is now or would we like look get at a prequel? Get a prequel or are we going to like get something simultaneous? Like what's happening with another family that's Yeah, are there other the families that have made deals with devils yeah. in different ways? I mean, yeah, it's a rich it's a rich world. Yeah. But it also brings me to sort of what I was thinking about in terms of like her inheriting the money right i'm not sure this is where i get into listeners at home erica and i have this joke when we watch the purge franchise where i particularly but erica has come along with me Uh get very obsessed with the intricacies of how the law works in the pearl and the justice system under a world in which the purge is a thing yeah which we um established by randomly yelling purge law so and and also like we will talk about the we're coming to the purge it's coming we i don't i think we need to like get ready you know i think there's like we there's a lot of emotional (laughs) yeah we need to get in the right headspace but like Katie and I love, love the, Purge. the Purge franchise. Yeah. Okay. Ready yeah. or not law. Ready or not law. Yeah. See, it doesn't have the same ring no, as Purge it really, law. It really doesn't. But I want to talk about the law. Because, no. like, I'm not sure that actually... Okay, so if the entire Lady Moss clan is... I actually looked into this. Okay. So, okay, she's legally married into this family. Did they sign the marriage certificate? We never Probably. see that happen. I mean, even if she... Okay, so they talk about who she won't officially be a member of the family until right. after the deal. But I think in the state of whatever state they're in, yeah, she's probably... They've probably... 
normally big fancy weddings like that, they have that all taken care of often before the ceremony too. Before the ceremony or, or like, like directly, directly after. after yeah. Right before the reception. I remember when my cousin got married, like they had their own little special room where like they signed yeah. the marriage certificate with like the, the witnesses and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. probably they have. Yeah. But um, even so, I have to imagine that all of these rich bitches mm-hmm. have like really intense wills. Sure. Really detailed wills. And like prenups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, so maybe she would inherit some of Alex's wealth. Right. There's probably a lot of the estate going so many other places. Right. Like, um, probably she would only get like half of Alex's wealth based on common law. Sure. De- but it depends on what state she's in. I looked into and we, it. Do we ever find out what state they're in? I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. And even then, she would probably have to deal with a bunch of bullshit legal stuff to like actually get that. And like, how much resource? How many resources does she have to actually go through all that legal work? You know. And okay, like her uh, legal resources, but also like her emotional resources. Yeah. <laughs> and like how much she wants that money. Exactly. And and it's possible that Alex wrote a will that was like everything's going, everything, all my assets are going to my wife. Right. And how that works with anything he would have inherited from his family, but he wouldn't have inherited yet because they don't know where he died in terms of that. So even still, I feel like she would only at most be eligible for his wealth, which probably isn't small, but it's not the entire, Yeah, you know? And that's if she gets it considering that his death was literally on their wedding day, and that's suspicious as hell. That is suspicious as fuck, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, And his entire family? Yeah. Yeah. And just also not to mention how much of their wealth is actually swept up in the business. Like, it's a gaming empire. Right, yeah. And, like, is the family actually in charge of this business, or are they more figureheads? Are they on the board? Who's the CEO? Who's the CEO, yeah. What's his money? It's like, and, like, how much, what are their liquid assets, right? Like, how much cash do they have versus, like, stocks or real estate? I mean, I imagine that that home has already been left in the will to something very specific, sure. some sort of preservation, whatever. Sure, yeah. Like, I mean, these are rich people. They can't, I don't think, there are a lot of theories about how, like, she'll end up with the money, and that's, like, sort of su- either possibly supporting the idea that she's starting a new deal. Yeah. But in terms of purge law, ready or not law, I don't think actually she would end up. No, I, I don't, mean, I don't think at most she would get, get Alex's money, and that's if. Another thing people talk about, yeah. is she going to go to jail for those murders? Right. What do you think? But see, here's the thing: they exploded. Most There's of them. literally. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so this is the thing: is that Becky and Daniel are dead yeah. before the and explosions. She legit occur. did kill Becky. Yes. So, do they also explode? I don't. And then the maids and Stevens, the butler. This is true. They died. Yeah. I can't see why they would explode. No. And, like, she can say all she wants that, like, they were all trying to kill her. And, like, she has some, like, defensive wounds or whatever. Sure. That yeah. would. But I can imagine that at least somebody extremely rich in the business would be very invested in not having the Le Domas family end with them all being murderous killers. Right. And having a pit full of dead bodies and stuff. So, like, if she tried to take that to court or anything like that. It'd be so easy to tarnish her name to protect yeah. the Lido Masses. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I could see, and like, if she doesn't get any money, what kind of lawyer is she going to get? Is she going to end up with a public defender? Is that why that's one of the games? Yeah. It's interesting. I just prefer to believe that the climax of this film is like the worst of it for Grace. I hope and, so. And like, maybe she's going to find herself like dealing with some legal headaches for a few yeah. years, but like, I, I really don't think that she would make her own deal with the devil. No. Her name's Grace, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that she would... In, in, in Yeah, I don't really buy that either. Initiate think, a new deal. I think his nod is him being like, okay, you won this you round. You win this round, young lady. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think so, too. Or, like, 
Mr. LaBelle's like, I was getting bored with this family anyway. Yeah. You know, these guys. Because it does seem like. I've been with this family since the Civil War. Yeah. Like, with. It does kind of seem like it's been a multi generational deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. It is interesting, though, to think about, especially in terms of a sequel. Like, what happens after this film? (laughs) Right. Yeah. For Grace specifically. And yeah, there are a lot of theories about it. Even among, like, the writers and the cast themselves, they also jumped, you know, sort of bandied around the idea, like, well, did she get arrested? Did she inherit all the money? We don't know. know. Yeah, because it just ends with her saying in-laws, you know. But my very um, educated lawyer, because I'm a super educated lawyer person Uh who knows everything about the law, Uh is that she's not getting much money. She's (laughs) probably not going to get that much. I would imagine that she might get a little something. Yeah, but it will really depend on how bad she looks in the actual murders because and how suspicious that is so because she did and if even if they yeah. did file their marriage uh, even if they did sign it did uh-huh. they file their marriage right they is it through like, the timeline is it's uh, bad it's tight yeah it's bad yeah uh yeah i just don't really know i guess i just didn't really want to think about it i, I just wanted I want to, to think, think about her being kind of grace's nightmare being over i want to think about her being kind of back where she started yeah which isn't I mean, she still loses, like you said before, about she loses either way because she never gets the family that she wants. Yeah. But um, but I hope... I like to think it's not worse than when she started. I hope that she also learns a valuable lesson that, like, family is not the solution to your problems. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. That it isn't, like, the family that she... She wants, like, a connection and love, you yeah. know? And <laughs> not it doesn't like, need to be, Not, like, like, the idea of being possessed by a family. Through marriage or law. Yeah. yeah. Can I just... Since we're, we're wrapping it up here, can yeah. we... I just want to talk about... A little bit more about that very last scene. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I wrote down the order they die in. Oh. Which is, I think, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously they they realize it's sunrise, yeah. right? They realize, oh shit. And then they're, they kind of have that moment of, well, nothing's happening. Maybe yeah. this is all bullshit, right? And then Anne Helene. Anne Helene's like, I'm going to kill her anyway. Because she, she knows was. too much. Right, exactly. So Aunt Helene, I think, needs to go first because she's the one putting Grace in the danger immediately. So she goes first. Who's honestly a sore loser. I imagine the devil is not a fan of sore losers. Maybe not. Yeah. So Aunt Helene goes first. And then I think it's Charity and Fitch or, or one or the other. And I think it's just because, like, they're done. They have nothing else to contribute. To yeah. The other than like scream and fear. Charity's right? is interesting because she has that line earlier about how she'd rather she'd die. She'd rather die. And then when she's faced with death, she's, she's like, like, I take it back. I'll, I'll give all of it back. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, all right, Charity. So, I mean, she loses her faith in the devil. So, there you go. There you Killer. go. Killer. So, Fitch never had faith in the devil. He no, never believed it was real. He had no idea what was going on because he's yeah. an idiot. And then uh, Becky and, and, and Daniel are already, already dead, dead at this point, right? The, the maids and, and Stevens are all dead, right? Um, and then we get. Emily and her kids, right? She tries She's freaking to out. save. She, uh, she tries to save, right? And then we we hear and see the like three explosions, three explosions kind of off camera, though. Yeah, but we see like the blood spray just to like there, and we hear three of them. So it's mm. like okay, we don't know the what kids order, are out. Yeah, but like the kids got got to right, and then we're left with Tony and Alex and Grace, right? Mm-hmm. And Tony says like the most entitled bullshit ever right he's like i did everything right yes i played by the rules yeah and you lost by the rules yeah Uh. and i was like first of all again born on third base buddy like yeah you know 
fuck you you did everything yeah. right you know this is wealth that goes back to the civil the war the civil war you just were born into a family like that's what you did yeah. basically and with all of that you still lost the fucking game and he's so mad and he's got like such white man rage yeah and then he explodes i was like good i was done listening to him talk right yeah and then and then alex sticks around for a while mm-hmm. right a- enough to kind of like plead his case and like beg grace to be yeah. like you know like look I, I why haven't i exploded yet it's because you you changed you changed me because of me. you you, you know me. and then what what does she say like i want a divorce or yeah yeah she says i want a divorce and again just like the beautiful yeah taking off of the ring throwing it at him and just like the pop and what we didn't talk about uh. in terms of music is the creepy hide and seek game oh my god the creepy hide and seek song <laughs> yeah which comes back in the end in a really cool way yes, it when does. it's the house is starting to burn down where it gets all warped and weird yes and the timing of it it's like counting down to when he dies yes, this time yeah. so like now he's in the um he's in the lower position in their relationship he's the one who like doesn't know what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> and, like, he's the one without power now yeah he's counting down to something horrible yeah I, well and i think also oh my gosh that like it's just so creepy like why does it exist right that song (laughs) and i think obviously they do it because i think it's just another example of like tradition versus modernity like Mm -hmm. it's obviously like an older yeah they have their old not well-aged song yeah (laughs) comes off as like really really creepy and they're playing it on their old like yeah i was gonna say gramophone vitrola yeah something. I, I don't know some old old vinyl player yeah. thing yeah and then it comes back at the end right and counts down to alex's death and like and and yeah it's already creepy and then as the house is burning down the vinyl starts to warp and starts to like yeah. make weird sounds and adds to its creepiness and it and, can yeah. add to the idea of like what family is alex a part of because this the song counting down is sort of grace needing to play this game to become part of the family. Uh-huh. And now this is sort of Alex's moment to sort of figure out, is Grace going to allow him into her family right. or leave him as a part of the Le Domases? In which yeah. case, bye. Bye. Yeah. Uh, should we wrap this up with a game? We always should. Let's go. Okay. So you decided for us, which was a great idea. Yeah. Let's just play a super quick round of Fuck, Mary Kill. Yeah. Deals with the devil edition. Yeah. So here's our options. We've got uh, Adam Brody. Not as Daniel, <laughs> but as the character Nikolai Wolf from Jennifer's Body. I still can't believe that's his actual name. I mean, it's not. I but mean, yeah, yeah, it's his yeah. stage name, obviously. Um, but <laughs> We have Anya Taylor-Joy as Thomason from The Vavitch. Yes. And we also have, we have Mark O'Brien, who's the actor who plays the character Alex in yeah. Ready or yeah. Not. So he's our Ready or Not character. He's the Ready or Not character. Uh, do you want to start? I'm sure. I think the really easy answer is to marry Thomason. She's the only person I could see spending any amount of extended time with. For sure. She's a little young. She's so a hopefully, little young. Hopefully she'll grow up a little bit before we get married. Yeah. We'll be a little more on even footing. Yeah. Um, or does she age at all? I don't know how the witch shit works. Yeah, mm. I don't either. Yeah, maybe she's still out there today. Being a badass bitch. Maybe she does age, but it is like a portrait of Dorian Gray thing yeah. where like she is older but doesn't look it. Yeah. Or like or she's actually, got her old crone yeah. guys. She has her old crone guys, just yeah. like the other witch, who yeah. then also has her sexy younger guys. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, marrying that woman. For sure. Um, in terms of mm, okay, okay. Alex is a piece of shit, as we've established. Yeah. But he's also kind of funny. He is funny. And it seems like him and Grace had a good time. They do. Like, in that opening scene, like, they establish that these two are, like, really sweet and do have, like, a really nice connection and they can, like, be humorous with each other. Yeah. And I feel like you don't really get into problems with Alex until you're trying to have any sort of long-term 
thing with him because that's when he starts to get possessive and weird right and maybe tries to marry you and then kill you so like if and we keep it on more of a fuck buddies basis yeah i feel like alex could be okay plus he's rich so maybe i'll get cool gifts out of it right yeah you never totally. know which means, yes, God damn it, I will, even though he's Adam Brody and I love his face, I will kill Nic- Nikolai Wolf. Kill Nikolai Wolf. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you on the Thomason. Yeah. Definitely the only of these three that I could see spending she's any the, significant amount of time with. She's the only one who's, yeah. Um, and this would she's be. She's the only one who's like a good person. But this would be Thomason. Post, post yeah the bitch right yeah post e- deal with devil yeah okay we, yeah we don't know how she's changed by that but well i like to think she'll come into herself she'll stop quoting the bible because like that's a huge turnoff for me mm. um yeah i don't think that'd bother me much i think i would probably kill alex yeah Bec- that's fair you know ugh because he, he's a piece of shit as we have established he really is and so i would probably kill him and like kill the rich right yes uh, which then would leave Adam Brody's character, Nikolai Wolf, as the fuck of this. And plus, if you fuck him, you're no longer a virgin, so you're safe from oh him. Oh my gosh, that's a really, really good point. Yeah. I didn't think about also, that. Also, good... he's a musician. His character's a yeah. musician, so it's like we might have something in common, you know? Uh, just like enough of a connection to yeah. like hook up and then never see him again and... Yeah. And then he'll know I'm not a virgin, so he won't sacrifice yeah. me to the devil. Yeah. Well, should we do fuck, marry, kill, Adam Brody edition? <laughs> so, Nikolai Wolf, <laughs> Daniel from this one, and I was going to say the guy from the OC, but we don't know anything about him. <laughs> and I don't remember his character in Promising Young Woman either. Yeah. <laughs> or his small role in the Gilmore Girls. This has been Deep Thought Shallow Plots. We're going to be talking about cat people next time. Really excited to watch it for the first time. Thanks, as usual, to our sound guy, Matt. Until next time, play the shit out of some checkers. (laughs) 